Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray, and we are going to be doing a top 10 list uh, for Action April, and returning guest Sheldon Matico is here, and we're going to talk Action April. We're, we're going to be missing our creator of, not our creator in life, but our, our creator <laughs> <laughs> our our creator of all of these uh, theme uh, months that we go through, uh, Scott Lehman has a lot going on in his life right now, and so uh, it's just gonna be the two of us this time uh, going through. We we decided to go back, like go to the idea of the top ten again. Uh, we, we we did it with uh, the funny February as well, and so we'll uh, we'll we'll do that this time. Um, and uh, it was a few months ago now, we were recording this now in uh, kind of late September, so it's a little while ago that we had Action April happening. Uh, did you have good memories of it way back in the, the innocent spring of 2023? <laughs> yeah, I, I did actually. Um, you know, uh, I, I can't say enough about uh, how cool it is that Scott does these things. Um, you, you know, I, uh, I know you guys had the two of you had been doing them for a while before I kind of became involved and uh, uh, it's just was a really, really cool uh, kind of thing to have going on during the month. Um, you know, of course, everybody's got uh, lots going on, but, uh, <clears throat> and it's sometimes it's very hard to, to find a time to fit in 30 movies during a month or however many uh, days there are, whichever one you do. But uh, uh, I, I, I love them. I, I really do. It, it forces me to sort of watch movies when uh, sometimes I might not. And that's the most therapeutic thing about movies for me. Uh, you know, just that they, they relax me. Right. And, but sometimes I have to force myself to, to sit down and watch one. Right. Um, yeah, no, I loved it. It was a, it was a great, uh, great challenge. I thought, I, I think this would have been the second action one I did, I believe. Yeah, I think you've done a full circle now. I think so. Um, we and it looks like he is as busy as he is. He is, he has set up a uh, another October horror movie challenge mm -hmm. coming up. It's, uh, it's a lot, lot going on. I've been able to produce as many podcasts as I would like over the last little while, so I'm trying to get back into it. And I've got a big show for rank and review that's coming up here. So um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna not promise to go uh too crazy with this 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 year my <laughs> my hope is to get one a day and i think that's basically what i did for action april yeah that's yeah, funny that, that one time i it was it was nuts i did 50 movies um for the for the horror movies that was and, the horror yep and that, that's the best i've ever done but since then it's been harder to do these challenges i think just i, I don't know what's different about life it was coming out of covid more or whatever it just seems like each each time i try to do this then it each time it gets a little bit harder to do <laughs> yeah i still want to do it i mean it's mm -hmm. like, uh, it, yeah because it's such a such a fun thing that he uh that he puts together and he puts a lot of work into it and um i have i'm, I'm almost slowly starting to feel that um action april might be the one where I see the most solid movies. Mm -hmm. like I actually found, I mean, it was a smaller group of movies and they weren't all gems, but uh, I actually think uh, I have a more interesting top 10 list than I've had for uh, probably since that first time I did this for uh, whatever it was, October of 2021. Okay. It was a year. 
um, that I first took on one of these challenges and I had, I had 50 movies and then I had to, to come up with 10. Um, this time I, it was less movies, but I, I'm, I'm really excited about the movies I'm talking about. Some of them were first time watches and will probably end up at my end of the year discoveries episode. I started doing last year of movies that I hadn't older movies that I hadn't seen until this this calendar year and I, I think at least three of them are going to show up on there and then there's some my view bonafide classics in here as well as some other ones that aren't uh thought of as as much but i still think are uh, are quite good so um i've really enjoyed the action movie challenge but scott did say something and i hadn't thought of it up until this time that you know unlike the horror movies a lot of them are kind of in the 90 minute or less range for sure. Um, and, and some of the comedies as well, too. But the action movies tend to go a little bit longer. And I thought, well, there's lots of these kind of like, you know, direct-to-video action movies that are kind of short and quick and that kind of thing. But then when I started watching these, I was like, oh, yeah, no, there's, you know, two hours. And if you get into those superhero movies, they're two and a half, three hours now. So... That is kind of tough with work and, and, and everything else. So did you did you find it a little bit harder to to get the movies in or was it uh, was it okay? Well, it was interesting uh, for me. I watched quite a few. Um, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just looking back to see how I'm trying to think about, uh, I don't think I actually counted out how, how many, but I definitely went over the, the 30 number. Yeah, you, you, you beat me for sure in the, yeah. the number. It, it was quite a high number this one. Uh, I'll, I'll calculate it as we're as we're discussing here. But um, I see that's I, I sort of had my own thing going on at the same two, time too. Like my, I'm right. trying to to get rid of some of the uh, the uh, shows that I have on VHS. That I mean, I have them on DVD, but there's something about a, a VHS, just the quality of it, that uh, I still appreciate, and I, I like capturing it. Um, so you, you, you know, you, you can burn a disc or whatever, but, uh, it's, it's all for things that I usually, I, I always have the DVD as well. So I'm not running into any, I don't think copywriting laws there, but, uh, but it's, it's kind of neat. Um, I, I, I would try to sort of fit both challenges together and, mm-hmm. and try to, uh, you know, work on getting rid of some of the, the VHS ones that I, I, I kind of want to do and, um, in that way, I guess somehow it boosted the amount of movies I think I watched, I guess is a roundabout way of a long way to explain that. Um, so even when I was doing something else, like I, I would always try to have a movie on, um, regardless of what it was. Um, but yeah, it, it, sometimes, you know, it would take the place of, of background, but, uh, I tried to, you know, be as attentive as possible, especially if it was a movie that I'd never seen before. Um, if it was a movie that I'd never seen before, and I do always try to fit a couple of them into the month at least. Yeah. Um, I know you, uh, Scott, and, and yourself are a little bit more, uh, are better at, at uh, sort of exploring some of the stuff that you've never seen before. I, I tend to stick to, the, like you say, sort of the classics and, mm-hmm. and the ones that I, I think, as I said, movies are therapeutic for me and the ones that make me feel good. Um, that was always something that stuck with me uh, throughout all my, my training in the theater was... Uh, uh, somebody once said that a lot of times nobody will remember what you say on stage, um, or at least they won't remember the exact words, but 
the the most important thing is that they will remember how you make them feel right you'll remember that feeling regardless and and myself included and that's how you know when i uh, go to a play or or some sort of show a musical um thinking back on all the ones that i've seen i, I always remember the feeling more more than anything um, so that's why I think I, I tend to pick movies that are a little safer and ones that I've seen before, because I definitely have some some classics. <laughs> yeah. And the, like, the nice thing about these challenges is there's no right or wrong way to approach it. Like, no, if, exactly. If you, yeah. if you feel better watching something that you've watched lots of times before. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, and there's so many movies out there and there's so many different pockets of stuff. Like, and I, I watch a lot of movies. But to be able to challenge myself to find ones that I haven't seen or blind spots or that kind of thing, that's that's how I kind of use these challenges. And that's the greatest thing is Scott always does such a great job at, at coming up with ones that you have to find something you've never seen yeah. before, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I know there were, there were a couple of days with the comedy challenge that were just painful for me because <laughs> they were too far out of they, they were they weren't blind spots. They were intentionally. I do. I know this is not going to work for me. And when I went there, it really didn't work for me. But <laughs> I was following the challenge. I was playing the game. So that's right. That's right. So are, are you ready to uh, to reveal? I, I'm, the, I'm I'm guessing we won't be like getting into fights about about these. They should have terrific movie recommendations. They're action movies for uh, for folks here, and uh, I'm I'm excited to find out what your list is. I'm also excited if there are ones that I haven't seen. I will be shocked if you have seen all of the movies that I have come up with because I did challenge myself to uh, ranch up. Well, this is going to be definitely interesting. Outside of the the Hollywood system and outside of um, (laughs) movies that were purely made in the excited States of America. I, uh, so I I think our list will be very different, but I think so too. Oh Yeah. No, I'm excited too. I, I, I think so too. No, it's interesting that you went that route because I, I think I went the exact opposite direction. Yeah. So that's why this is. That's why I said this is going to be quite interesting. Feeling. I had a yeah. feeling in that, and, that, and that's that's good. So I guess uh, what we'll do is we'll we'll name the theme from the day. Uh, if you, hopefully, yeah, if you have that, I, I should. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty uh, sure I wrote all. And then we we'll kind of go ten to one here. So uh, as my guest, you get to go first with your number ten. From your action april experience um okay um this one actually this is maybe the one that i i didn't actually write down what the theme was but i'm sure you'll remember i'm i'm uh, searching it right now but i'm pretty sure i'll i'll come up with yeah see i'm into action april already number 10 k okay, is one uh it was from the ninja day oh fun. <laughs> okay and this was actually one that i sort of uh struggled with I, I, there was so many things that you could have done, you know, so many different directions that you could have gone with this, like it just endless, you, you could have done something uh, from some sort of anime or, or anything in any direction. Um, but this is a classic because it's one of the movies that um, makes me feel good, you know, um, and that's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> The city itself will be our playground to use as we please, rewarding ourselves and punishing our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new enemy, freaks of nature. 
together. We will punish these creatures. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. Yeah, and so that was the the Ninja Day, and uh, I can't I can't pro- probably explain um, how into Ninja Turtles I was when I was when I was young. And I know you're just a little bit older than I am, J- Jason. So you might not you might have just got out of no the sort of era. It. You I were in it, okay? No, that's good. Yeah. Well, then you remember yeah. uh, the the craze that was going on back then with Ninja Turtles. Um, it was a huge thing. Like I remember for Christmas one year, um, my parents got me as many Ninja Turtle figures as they could find. Um, and they were very hard to find back then. Or then when they first came out, the first few Christmases that they, the toy came out, uh, the toy action figure, uh, they were kind of hard to find. Um, and actually it was funny. The ones that you could find were the ones that years later now have become more collectible because they were the ones that nobody wanted back then. Everybody wanted the Donatello and Raphael and Leonardo and Michelangelo. Uh, nobody wanted, uh, you know, Bebop or, uh, <laughs> you know, or, or, or some of the, just the off kind of characters. Um, I can't even remember the names of some of them. I, I have all my action figures, my turtles actually on display around a TV in my basement. Um, they're all clinging to the side of the TV. And uh, there's some ones there that I, I don't even remember watching the show that they were in. Like, I don't even know where they are. Like, there's there's a kangaroo. There, there, there's all kinds of stuff that I, I don't even know. Um, but I think back, like I said, and I remember how it made me feel watching this movie because, um, the first time that I had seen it, uh, I had chicken pox actually. And, uh, my mom, uh, took me to, it would have been jumbo video at the time, I believe. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. You remember jumbo video? Yeah. Every single day I rented something from the business. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's where we rented it from. And that was the first time I had seen the actual movie. Uh, and I used to watch it all the time after that. I eventually got my hands on a copy and uh, uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those movies. It makes me feel good. Um, you know, you, you can, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you want to get into a plot summary of it, but, uh, it, it's basically, of course, it's if for anybody that's been living under a rock <laughs> for the, the last 50 years, the Ninja Turtles, um, were, were a group of turtles that, um, they almost become superheroes, right. In, in a sense, because they're teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, right. So they're, they almost become superheroes, I think in effect. And that's probably what drew me to it in, in when I was a child. 
um, because I was very much into Marvel as too as well. And I was into DC and uh, like, I used to collect Marvel cards and playing cards like hockey cards and stuff like that. And uh, so I think the superhero aspect of it, when the turtles get affected by the, the ooze that turns them into um, these all of a sudden uh, intelligent beings, I guess, that are, that are uh, walking around and, and I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun story. It, it, uh, you know, it, <laughs> you, you, you have to enjoy the action in it. Like there's some pretty cool action to it. Um, like in terms of the, the actual sort of martial arts, like I thought it was filmed very well in terms of the fight scenes. Um, it's entertaining, you know, and, uh, at the same time, there's some very touching moments in that movie. There really is. Um, when Raphael, the uh, somewhat hot-headed turtle, gets himself into some trouble with the with the foot, um, the next scenes where they uh, they find themselves in the country somewhere in this old dilapidated house, and he's they're healing him in a bathtub, and it's it's just it's it's actually quite touching. Um, sort of the sort of the progression there. And, and uh, I, I think they're, they're kind of really cool characters. You know, of course you talk about the cartoons and all that kind of stuff. That's a little bit different. Um, I actually thought uh, the movie was, was quite well done at parts. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you would recognize a lot of the, uh, the actors in it, but uh, there's definitely a few that you might recognize, but uh, it, it definitely, it's, it's a feel good movie. And, and that's why I picked it. And uh, like I said, I could have gone any direction with it, but uh, I landed on, on the Ninja Turtles because they're sort of my, my childhood and, and, and yeah. And this was a time where we weren't getting these types of movies out all the time. It was, it was a one, two punch of, like Batman. Oh, there was a Batman movie. And the very next year, there's a Ninja Turtles movie. Right. Able to do these things now, which have not been possible. And so it was It was a very exciting time. I mean, I throw in, even though it was kind of its own separate thing, Dick Tracy at that time, too. Yes. Excited about Dick Tracy. Absolutely. Um, I was. Yeah. You know, I, I ended up in the movie theater this summer watching the new Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, okay with no expectations for it whatsoever. And I think if you haven't seen it yet, you'd really enjoy it. Yeah. I haven't seen the newest one. No. Yeah. No, the newest one. It, it is kind of a claymation type of a thing. Um, but it, it really has kind of a, a sweetness and charm to it as well that okay. I, I wasn't expecting because I know there have been a lot of, uh, there were the sequels of course, to, uh, to the one that started in 1990, mm-hmm. but then, had a lot of other Ninja Turtle movies in between that I haven't heard many good things about. I haven't seen them for myself, but it's almost made me want to go back and like watch all of these again. They kind of see and, you know, and see like the guys in the rubber suits and all of that stuff. And, but, but it, um, yeah, I just, I I totally remember that feeling and it's been a long time since I saw that 1990 uh, Ninja Turtle movie, but I I think it would be uh, worth uh, revisiting again. For Have sure. you never seen the the second one and the third? Saw, yeah, the one with yeah. Vanilla Ice. Yes, I saw that one. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure I saw the third one. I heard the third one was really bad, but I, I wasn't very good. No. Yeah, but I. Well, it, 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 they changed them so much that I, I'll just I'll wrap it up by saying they they changed 
they've changed so much over the years, right? And mm-hmm. and definitely the first one was my favorite because well, I, I mean, you could there's a couple of mentionable actors you could mention Corey Feldman. He was he was one yeah. of the actors in it uh, for sure. Um, there was also this. A, I was looking this up and I didn't realize it. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but his first name's Brian. I think it's I think it's Tochi. I, I believe um, he was. Uh, he was in one of the police academy movies actually yep. i didn't realize that um he played cadet uh, nagata which is one of one of the funniest uh, uh movies a uh, series is police academy I, I love them he his role in that of course was a little bit stereotypical but uh, uh i mean he 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 played it well but uh, um but yeah no, that's an even bigger even uh, bigger blast from the past, the Police Academy movies. Such. Absolutely, and I think I did watch one of those this month. But uh, anyway, what was? Uh, we'll, we'll. I'm sure we can move on, on to right yours. Now, number ten. So I went with uh, uh, from Robert Rodriguez Day. Oh, uh, I, I went with 1995's Desperado. I was visiting a bar, and in he walked. You saw his face. His face. I mean, every step he took towards the light, just when you thought his face was about to be revealed, it wasn't. It was as if the lights dimmed just for him. They called him a loner. I know who you are. You kill drug dealers. I killed the woman I loved. You ruined my life. They called him a miss. You've heard stories of that man that carries a guitar case full of weapons. Find him and kill him. I hope you don't think you can take someone like Ucho all by yourself. Well, they made the mistake of calling his bluff. Is there something in the guitar case? A guitar? No. It's time to face the music. Let's play. film from robert rodriguez actually his third film there's this movie i i have yet to see that was his second film but this was the sequel to el mariachi which was famously the the uh seven thousand dollar movie that he made that was a big hit in indie circles and kind of made his career and this movie was like had a ton of people who were just on the cusp of superstardom um and you know, made some people who were kind of known even bigger stars and then really introduced the world to somebody who would also be a very significant star. Um, Antonio Banderas, I had already heard of, uh, mostly a a movie called The Mambo Kings from 1992. Uh, But then he showed up and he's he's playing um, the mariachi this time. He, of course, wasn't in the the original uh, uh, Spanish language film that was shot completely uh, in, in Mexico. 
but they do some nice tie-ins in this one. And this one feels a little bit bigger, even though it was still a, a mere $7 million budget for yeah. Desperado. Um, this introduced the world to Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek had worked in the second movie that Rodriguez did as well, but nobody knew her until this. And then she became an enormous star, an Academy Award nominee, and still one of the most important um, film actors and, and also as a producer uh, today. And she worked a lot with Robert Rodriguez, particularly in, in his uh, early films there. Um, and some wonderful cameos and uh, like Danny Trevo. This is the first time I saw Danny Trevo, who was a regular <laughs> collaborator. And he's, he's a, like, if you don't know who he is, you'll know his face. Like he oh, absolutely look, always plays tough looking guys, but, uh, uh, and, and he's terrific in it. But the movie opens up with uh, Steve Buscemi and Steve Buscemi telling this legend of El Mariachi. Uh, and when we get the payoff to this scene, which is so well acted by him, as well as some other character actors and Cheech Marin. Oh, I love him. Owner of this slimy uh, bar as well. Um, that's great. And we get Quentin Tarantino, uh, the year after Pulp Fiction had been released, comes in and um, he basically tells this, uh, this joke. And then kind of we, we see he's, he's this gringo guy who's connected to this, uh, this whole gang thing. Um, <laughs> the movie has humor to it. It is a cool looking movie. It has tons of great action scenes. It shows a bit of restraint towards the end believe it or not there was a whole action scene was completely that was filmed but cut out of the film right um and i, I think it was kind of brilliant it may have caused a little bit of confusion for some people about the end wonderful stunt stunt work as well um and it's also uh, it really works well as as a revenge film as well a bit of a revenge-matic uh about what was done to uh the uh, the mariachi's wife i believe it is mm -hmm. and uh and what this gang did and then there's a plot twist towards the end that i don't want to reveal because it's been a yeah. few years and i think lots of people haven't actually seen this movie and they really should um they maybe have heard of it and then we had of course the end of the trilogy of these films was once upon a time in mexico which i enjoyed i've only seen that one once uh, i saw it in theaters i haven't seen it since then i i hear it's kind of the one that that uh most people are not as thrilled with that one and in the three, but I remember quite enjoying that one too. So I, I just find them fun. And it had been years uh, since I last saw Desperado and I was ready for like, I've to see some of the, like that it hadn't aged well, or it was kind of a mid nineties thing, but uh, I still think it's a lot of fun. And uh, I, I, I wanted to include it in uh, my top 10. I had kind of a top 12 and it, it beat out the couple movies to, to make the list there. So that's my number one. My number uh, 10 choice is uh, Robert Rodriguez's Desperado. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also watched this movie during the month. That was, it was an, uh, I'm not sure which day um, it was that I watched this. And that definitely could have made my list too as well. Um, you know, that was an awesome, awesome, awesome movie. It's one of those. It's it's a it's also a feel good movie. The the music in that movie, 
um, you know, with the guitar music and uh, that scene where Antonio Banderas is up on stage and he's playing his guitar and it's just, oh, it, it gives you goosebumps. It literally, it gives you goosebumps. And like, if you don't enjoy that, there's something wrong, <laughs> you know, like, because that is one of the best scenes. If you don't um, get what he's doing with this movie, you know, then, yeah. then that could feel a little bit like, oh, we're pushing it or we're having this musical number as well as an action scene. And no, but, but then like those who now are, are very familiar with Rodriguez's style will get mm -hmm. that this is absolutely perfect for, for what he's doing. And, uh, and it, it really, yeah, that, that sequence works, works very well. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies for sure. Yeah. I, I love that movie. Everything about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, should we keep going or number nine choice? Yes. Number nine. Uh, well, this was an interesting one. Um, this was an interesting one, but I, I think you'll like it. I, I think this is one of the ones that, uh, you'll definitely like this movie gets a lot of bad rap. Um, it did. I remember when it came out, um, it, I don't know. I, I was disappointed in how people responded to it because I thought it was a really good show and I, I'm entertained when, when I watch it. Um, but it's uh, streaming on Amazon uh, day, which was Earth theme day, which was number 21, I believe uh, during the month. And that's Waterworld 1995's Waterworld. The future the polar ice caps have melted, and the Earth lies beneath a watery grave. Those who survived have adapted to a new world. What did you see out there in the 15 lunars? Such as? An end? An end to all this water? You're asking the wrong person. Pure dirt. So what's the word? We trading or not? And the human dream is the search for a mystical place called dry land. It doesn't exist! How can you be sure? Because I sailed farther than most have dreamed. I've never seen it. This place, this whole way of living, it's ending. Straight line leading directly. Directly to dry land? Dry land is not just our destination, but it is our destiny! Universal Pictures presents a world unlike any you have ever seen. Dennis Hopper, Gene Triplehorn. Waterworld. Yeah, well, yeah, as, as I knew, I said, as, as I said it, I knew you'd like it because um, I don't know. I think we've talked about this movie before and we've, we've mentioned that we both really like this movie, I think, um, if, if I remember correctly. 
Um, and it, like I said, it gets a lot of bad rap when it came out. Um, I remember like you could, there was nothing you could hear other than, Oh, it cost so much money and it didn't make any money. And it was a box office failure. And um, that might've been the case, I guess. Not, not a lot of people went to see it. And you maybe remember that era a little bit better than uh, I would, because you were working in a, in a movie theater, I believe during that time, I, I think. Um, so you probably remember a little bit more, maybe what movies were out during that time. Um, but yeah, Waterworld, I, I really enjoy it. Um, Kevin Costner uh, has always been kind of one of my favorite actors. Uh, you know, his earlier stuff is is strange. Um, I actually, I like the actor that he's become um, since he's gotten a little bit older. Um, a lot of the stuff that he's done, like some of the, in the Superman movie, I believe he was in the Superman movie. Yeah, and, Man uh, of Steel. Yeah, Man of Steel. Um, I, I really enjoy some of the acting that he's done in his later years. I think he's really grasped some sort of I don't know uh, appreciation for for humanity and he shows that on on the screen really well um and yeah I, I just it's an entertaining movie for me um it it I mean the the basic premise is of course it ta takes in place in a kind of a post-apocalyptic world it's almost like Mad Max in a way um <laughs> well one of the the best parts of course is Dennis Hopper um, who, <laughs> who plays uh, the deacon who is, is kind of the ruler of this um, sort of post-apocalyptic world, right? And, and he controls, um, you know, a lot of the machines that have been left over. Basically, there's been a, a flood, um, the whole world and water world, right? And it's been, it's taken over the entire world. And so everybody lives on the water. And uh, Dennis Hopper, who I really like as an actor too, as well, uh, you know, uh, rest his soul. But uh, uh, he's he's a good actor, or was a good actor, and, and I really liked him in this movie. It, it, he just he had this sense of um, insanity about him. <laughs> that, that's how I could describe it. It wasn't you can't even call it crazy. You can't. It's, it, he was insane. He, he was an actual insane person character in this movie, I thought. And uh, just that combination with Kevin Costner, um, who, who uh, you know, sort of plays, of course, the, the hero in the movie, I guess. Um, and there were some interesting other uh, actors. I know there was a, a local uh, local actor in Kim Coates also was, uh, yes. was in it. He worked uh, with Costner a few times, Kim Coates, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, <laughs> one of that's one of my favorite scenes actually uh, was was Kim Coates' scene when it, like, just the actually not even the scene so much, but the the line when he he says paper, it, it, the paper was was the most exciting thing you know that he had to offer in trade for whatever. Um, that just he he also played a very very insane character, of course. Um, but it's, it's, it's a fun movie. I like the idea, you know, I, I won't give away the ending, but it's, it's worth watching because it kind of gives you an interesting sort of look at what maybe might happen if the entire world was flooded with water. Right. Um, of course you, you know, uh, yeah, it's just an entertaining movie. I, I, I really enjoyed it. There's not much more you can say about it other than I, I wish people would maybe, I don't know, watch it more because I think if you gave it a chance, you'd really appreciate it uh, for the movie that it is. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a good show. I think it, it kind of sits in place now, kind of a, like a crazy 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were not quite ready. I, I remember this movie was doomed from the beginning because there was 
for six months before its release, there was all this talk about this trouble and filming it. It was so over budget and it's, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And then it bombed and it was on the, the, a lot of the worst lists and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it, I remember when I saw it, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. I know it was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't amazing, but it well, was. It's, yeah, it's not the Godfather, but. But it's, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an epic film for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And anything to, time you're dealing with water and you're do, dealing post-apocalyptic, the, the budget is going to go up and up and up. Costner had been a hit maker up until that point. This really turned into a back step for his career, and it took him several years to kind of get to where um, he's gone now with his success with Yellowstone and, and some different movies along the way. That's right, uh, I remember that. Uh, I'd also, in that movie, uh, an actor, I, I don't know, there's going to be a missing person's report for this per, this actor. <laughs> I, lo- I love her, Jean Triplehorn. Oh, okay. Uh, was in, uh, she was in Basic Instinct. She was in The Firm. Um, she'd been in a few things in the 90s, and her career kind of fizzled off at some point. But I, <laughs> I also think she was very, very good in the film, too. I And Dennis Hopper, yeah. Dennis Hopper, this was you know, the most focused he was in his life. He was playing kind of a lot of villains and, and he was a bit of character actor. He was in Speed in 94. Um, Super uh, Mario Brothers. <laughs> and he, he showed up in a lot of a lot of stuff. Uh, and he was great at playing a villain. And he's, he could ham it up and have some fun with it. And uh, Kim Coates has always been that kind of a, a vil- played lots of villains. It was nice in Sons of Anarchy. He got a little bit more to do yep. in that show. But... Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just there's some weird choices that, I, and I, I know that like you start the movie with Costner peeing into this thing, and it gets processed and turned into water, and that's what he's drinking. So he's drinking his own urine. Uh, <laughs> wasn't maybe the, a way to like warm people's hearts to start the film, but I I, I still. I, I I like weird weird movies, and this is a weird one. And uh, it is, and it's. Uh, I'm glad you put it on your list there, and I'm glad you incorporated it into uh, into uh, your action April because uh, I it's not it's it's not a great movie, but it's not as bad as it was made out to be at the time. I think no, discovering it now and uh, reevaluating it, which I I think it, it definitely deserves. I, I think it was ahead of its time, actually. Yeah, just to just to close it out for sure. Like I, I think, sort of maybe to summarize what you were saying, sort of. I, I think it was a little bit ahead of its time, right? right? They, they started doing the same. Oh, this is a complete disaster for another movie that was mostly set in water in the 1990s. A few years later, that movie was called Titanic, which ended right. up being billions of dollars. <laughs> um, well, they gave that one a chance, but they didn't uh, give Waterworld a chance. So exactly. Um, yeah, and I mean. I hate to say it, but it's not out of the realms of possibility that there might be a time where we're having to all live on water and survive on the earth and water because you never know. Yeah. You never know. The science uh, is a little scary. The uh, environmental stuff that they were talking about there, you know, that people are kind of laughing off might uh, been, have been a bit more prophetic than they, they would have wanted. So, yeah. Yeah. Thought yeah. Of. So for my number nine, I'm going with a movie with cool slash iconic cover art. <laughs> uh, and this was coming off of my Kino Lorber uh, disc of a classic film called Battleship 
Potemkin from 1925, directed by Sergei Eisenstein. Silent film, <laughs> April. But this is a this is a a classic for a reason. So it's set on a battleship Potemkin, where essentially all the sailors are being fed rancid meat, and uh, and and they're they're starving, and they realize there's more of them than there is of the the people who are the captains and the people who are controlling the ship. So they take over the ship. Uh, they kill basically everybody on it. And this revolution catches on and is heard about in Odessa. And this leads to them kind of being being celebrated in heroes. Um, and then when, when the czarists find out about this, they send in soldiers to stop the revolution that has now developed in Odessa and also try to... Uh, take out the battleship, which has been taken over by by these sailors. Um, but as it happens, the sailors and all of these other ships who have been treated so poorly themselves realize that they admire what has been done here and they're willing to engage in this battle. But there are some pretty epic action scenes for this time in history. And this is not anywhere. This is not a, 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 it's a purely a a Russian film. It was not shot anywhere close to Hollywood or anywhere close to America. And uh, it's actually an important movie with a greater political message. Um, and I, I, I could not help but put it on here. A, it's a classic. B, I was so impressed with what they did at that time. And I, I would challenge anybody, like, you know, to give it a shot. And, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it's not – Something like which is, would be like a dialogue-heavy uh, dialogue type of one, um, silent film in the sense that you have a lot of place cards to read and that kind of thing. There's a lot of action. It's all on the screen there. And I think uh, people kind of are willing to go for a nearly 100-year-old movie and, and give it a chance. It's, it's well worth it. So this is, again, uh, where I was stretching myself out in Action April and finding some different avenues. This was a, a movie I, I, I really enjoyed there. So um, I, I'm, I'm betting that you haven't seen this, but I, I could be wrong. You know, um, I have not. I've, I've never seen this one, actually. I, I think I'd heard of it. Um, like I do, you know, I'm obviously I, I, I'm into history and, and stuff like that. But uh, um, and, and actually, it, uh, um, 
Russian history, Russian and, and obviously Ukrainian history because I'm Ukrainian, um, well, half Ukrainian, um, is, is something that I've studied quite a bit. Um, uh, that, that was a lot of the classes that I, I tried to focus on uh, when I was in university were, were classes that dealt with at least that era of, of world history. Um, so it's very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of looking on online here. I just, as you were talking, I kind of looked it up cause that was very interesting. It's, it's based on true events. Like, you, that's, I, I, yeah, that's, yeah. uh, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I, would heard of the, the mutiny, but I honestly never really read into it a lot. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm inspired by, by the movie itself to kind of look more into, um, this actual historical event. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, from 1925, I mean, definitely to, you know, like you say, if it, and I trust your opinion, if there were some very good action scenes in it, uh, to have that in 1925 is pretty impressive because, uh, um, I, you know, and that's the thing, actually, black and white movies and a lot of the older movies, um, actually, there's a, a movie that I recently uh, watched, a black and white one that, hadn't seen in a while inherit the wind from 1960 and uh you know it, it's a black and white movie but very similar to this in that respect that um they're kind of, they're cool you know if it's a movie that's done well um there were some black and white movies that sort you know same as there was uh color movies uh that just aren't done very well right so but this is definitely, I think, uh, I haven't seen it, of course, but it looks like a movie that I'd like to check out because it looks like one of those movies that's black and white that um, would be a very cool movie to, to watch, just as like Inherit the Wind um, or Harvey, uh, one of my favorites, of course, or, uh, you know, some of the other uh, classic black and white movies, um, which is something like I took some film classes in, in, in university um, and that was something that they very much focused on was a lot of the black and white era uh, the films, right, as opposed to movies. And, you know, if you get into uh, film study, you know, they often say that, you know, there's a difference, right? Um, you know, a lot of uh, film critics, I've heard uh, this before, you know, they say a movie is something like, uh, you know, The Lion King. Right, a film would be something more like the the battleship uh, Potemkin, or or something like Inherit the Wind, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I yeah. and I would say if and I don't know if this one was covered. It was in my the film studies class I took in university. Yeah. Um, a companion piece of this would be a movie called Strike as well. Mm -hmm. And and so I don't know if you, you saw that one in, in your class, but yeah, uh, um, yeah, same same style here. And I think you know uh, people are afraid of. A black and white, but even more maybe afraid of silent films. But I think right. we need to sort of branch out and, and 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 look at those and look at those early years of uh, of cinema. So oh, for sure, there's some great silent films. The, the influence of this, I, I, I would admit, I need to mention it is there is a, a sequence that was taken that Brian De Palma took from Battleship Potemkin and inserted in The Untouchables. Oh wow! One of the most famous suspenseful sequences but it was pretty much shot for shot exactly like uh like uh eisenstein did uh with uh bellship uh, potemkin involving the baby carriage oh okay uh, very famous sequence from that and so i i was very interested to watch that and kind of compare the two there so that's it was, cool it was very very influential so I, you know that's uh that's one to check out there that's very um, cool but I, I figured not as many people have seen this that one as uh, 
you know. No, that's definitely uh, that's that's a rare one. It's <laughs> the only black and white film that I mentioned on my list. So <laughs> we're going to your number eight next. Number eight. Okay, we're back to this. All right, this this was the this the, the final. day that yeah that, uh, you can pick anything. Yeah, the do anything day. Um, this is a super fun movie. Um, for a lot of reasons for me. Uh, again, it's a feel-good movie. It's one of those movies that's kind of from when I was, a, I guess, a teenager, sort of. Uh, uh, I guess I would have been going into high school-ish um, around this time. Uh, so it's from 1996, and it's uh, Escape from L- L.A. Welcome to the theater. For everyone's enjoyment, we'd like to remind you of the following rules. No talking. No smoking. No littering. No red meat. No freedom of religion. And remember, all marriages must be approved by the Department of Health. Failure to obey these rules will result in immediate loss of citizenship and deportation to the island of Los Angeles. Enjoy the show. Your rules are really beginning to annoy me. We read a psycho profile on him using a database of five million sociopathic personalities. He hit the bottom of the curve. Catches on quick, doesn't she? This town loves a winner. They say we play a little Bangkok rules. Nobody draws until this hits the ground. You ready? Yeah, and I knew you would like this movie too, but that's not why I picked it because <laughs> I love this movie myself. Um, and and regardless, uh, I I love this movie. It's it's one of my favorite movies for sure. Um, one of the biggest things um, I guess about it is it's sort of if if you look at it, the original story um, of Snake Plissken, right? Uh, he. Uh, well, it sort of inspired one one of my favorite video games, and I'm kind of into video games. I don't know if uh, you maybe play as many as I do, but uh, and again, this might be because, um, like I say, you're just a little bit older than than I am. So um, when the type of games that uh, this was in, that this inspired, that this movie inspired, I should say, uh, came out. Um, it would have been sort of in my my high school years, I guess you could have said, say, um, because the movie sort of inspired Metal Gear Solid. Um, the character from from Metal Gear Solid, actually, which is one of my favorite video games or video game series, I guess you could say, uh, ever. And and you know, like video games, you kind of love them or or you don't. Um, it seems you know, like a lot of the people that are are gamers, like they're they're very into it. That are my age. Um, or they're, they just, you know, not, if you're, if you're not a gamer, you know, and you, you kind of don't play any games at all. It's, it seems if you're my age, you, it's sort of 50, 50, right? Um, I think the younger generations, it's a little bit more, uh, diluted in that respect. Um, but yeah, it, it, it inspired one of my favorite video games. Um, uh, you know, you can get into the story. Uh, of course it's, it's again, it's, and it, 
it's kind of a theme throughout the movies that I watched for the month was sort of a post-apocalyptic world. And that's sort of what this reminds me of. Um, but it's more, I think, um, just a society that has completely lost control um, more than anything. Um, there's a massive earthquake. It strikes the city of Los Angeles. And so it cuts off the mainland from uh, San Fernando, Fernando Valley. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a very real thing. You know, you've heard for years um, that there could be a huge earthquake that could uh, definitely change some of the uh, geographical region, I guess, uh, of Los Angeles. Um, so it's that's where I guess I get the sort of post-apocalyptic feel from it. Um, but it's just, it's a fun movie. The, the action is great. Kurt Russell, um, who, who plays Snake, of course, uh, Snake Plissken, um, is one of my favorite actors. Uh, a lot of the stuff that he's done over the years. Um, it's, you know, he's not, he's not one of the, my actors that, you know, I would maybe put on my top 10 list of, of favorite actors, but he's been in so many movies over the years um, that I just... I don't know. I, I really enjoy watching him on, on the screen. He's, he's one of those actors I just enjoy watching. He's done some amazing stuff, of course, if you go back to some of his early stuff, um, for sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just really like uh, Kurt Russell. I like the movie. Um, the special effects, I mean, it's a 90s movie, so they were just kind of starting to get into some of the CGI um, that you would see maybe in, in modern movies. Um but it, it's, I think, a movie, of course, with a lot of 90 movies, 90s movies, I should say, um, where there's a sort of a weird blend of what you started to see with special effects and then special effects from the 80s. <laughs> right? It was that weird sort of time where things were starting to blend together. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I like it. It's a great movie. It's, it's got a lot of great actors in it. You could mention uh, Steve Buscemi, of course, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which we've already, <laughs> from, from Desperado, we've already kind of talked about, you know. It was all over the place in the kind of mid to late 90s. Absolutely. Like Peter Fonda, uh, which is interesting. There's a Fonda in the movie. <laughs> He's a lot of fun, yeah. He's a lot of fun. I don't know. You, you. I'm sure you've uh, you've got an appreciation for this movie as well. I, I do. Yeah. I, back <laughs> on my John Carpenter episode with my friend Lee, we reviewed uh, Escape from L.A. and uh, quite favorably. I was relieved that that Lee liked it as, as much as I I did. Yeah. I think uh, the knock on it is is the special effects have not aged well, but uh, <laughs> some of the underwater stuff kind of looked cool at the beginning, though. I, I, I mm -hmm. like that. So, um, yeah. but. Yeah, I think John Carpenter would be happy to hear that you're a gamer because he's a gamer himself. And so okay. I could see those connections. And, of course, there's a little bit of the idea that uh, going back, that Snake Plissken was a little bit of an offshoot of the man with no name, the Clint Eastwood uh, spaghetti right. western trilogies, because there's a huge influence. Most of John Carpenter's stuff somehow relates to westerns. you know. Right. And, uh, and so... Uh, it, it it definitely it works well. There'd always been rumors of a third one. Um, I don't know if that would ever happen, but uh, uh, <laughs> I, I I would highly recommend people check it out. And I, I recommended it, of course, on the previous episode. So yeah, it's a great another, show. Another solid choice here. We're not we're not fighting about anything. <laughs> Seems wrong. Yet. Yet. Yes. Uh, I don't know if we'll fight about this next one because I, I, again, this is another one I'm not sure that you would have seen. So, for my number eight, this comes from the Ninjas Day. So, this is uh, oh, cool. the second uh, 
the second one from that uh, from that theme. I've been making my way through uh, my collections of these Shaw Brothers films uh, uh, that were made and uh, very much influenced Quentin Tarantino, particularly with his Kill Bill films, um, for sure. And a lot of them were kind of made in the 70s. Uh, the one I decided to use is called Crippled Avengers from 1978. <laughs> <笑>我也让他个个残废 Directed by Chen Shei. Um, and this is essentially about this warlord who has turned very evil after his wife was uh, was killed. And uh, he and his henchmen kind of have ruined the lives for four men. Um, and so we have this a blind man, there's an amputee, uh, a man who's now a deaf mute, and another fighter who has gone insane uh, when they've kind of crossed the line in uh, in in, in the, this village that is controlled by this uh, warlord. Hmm. Um, and so then these four are actually brought together and trained uh, on how to work together using their abilities and making up for uh, any deficits to be able to get their revenge on this gang and particularly on this warlord. Fabulous action scenes, um, but it has a, a real clear story and uh, I, I mean I, I enjoy most of all of these uh, some of them are just kind of dumb entertainment this one you know I wasn't sure what I was going to get when it was called Crippled Avengers uh, <laughs> well I, I, when you said it I, I kind of chuckled I mean I, I'm not, not most, you know just because it's it's an interesting title you, you have yeah, to say it, it is an interesting title and like not that politically correct a title no but, uh, but and, and nor is some of the the dialogue in the film. But it's it's really interesting in its way. It's about uh, showing uh, the abilities that the that these people still have when they feel kind of low and lost and like their life is over and they've been defeated by evil and that right. they can over overcome it. So um, I, I really like these Shaw movies in general. Um, but Crippled Avengers is kind of a unique one. Um, in as I keep exploring these and it, it was kind of the next one that i could see uh from my shaw brothers collection when the ninja day came out so i uh, decided to watch that and i enjoyed it enough to put it as number eight on this uh, top 10 list yeah that's definitely one i've never seen before um interesting uh i i would i would check it out i would you know like um i think you but- like it more than you know, you might think. <laughs> well, it, like 
it from your description of it, what I anticipated, like from, from the title, when you said the title and then the description of the movie, I never would have put those two together, right? Like it doesn't seem, I, well, of course, it's it, it's somewhat of a not non politically correct uh, title, of course, but um, that's not what I mean. Um, I mean, I never would have thought that it's about that from the title <laughs> of the movie, right? Doesn't seem like it sort of fits that, but that's, I guess, what makes it sort of interesting and uh, for me to want to watch it, I guess. Uh, I want to see what it's all about. So that's, yeah, that's kind of cool. If you like the ninja movies and the kung fu movies and that kind of stuff, you. Oh, I love, I love. Either, yeah. Yeah, I love ninja movies. Um, yeah, like I, going, oh, I, I could uh, name off quite a few uh, ninja movies, the older ones that, that I like to watch, but uh, they're definitely a different kind of movie. Um, you know, some of the ones, like even the, the older Jackie Chen movies, um, some of the ones that were filmed in Japan, um, they're interesting. Um, you know, you kind of watch them and you think what's kind of what's going on here, but, but they're entertaining at the same respect. Um, and they're actually, a lot of the acting is kind of interesting to watch. Um, cause it's very different from what you would see in a lot of other movies. But, so you, uh, you made his movies in Hong Kong, right? I think that's where yes. Jackie Chan came out of. Yeah. 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 I believe so. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I think we're on to your number seven choice, right? Number seven. Yeah. Number seven, I'm trying to figure out which day this actually was because looking back at my post, um, I don't think I included uh, in my Facebook post what day this actually was. I'll start talking about it anyway. Maybe you can help me out with which day it was. Um, number seven is another feel-good movie for me. Um, it's another movie that uh, definitely you know came out at a time in my life you know where you know, there were a lot of changes, uh, of course, you know, so it came out during my, my teen years, um, you know, and I think it's weird. Um, a lot of the movies that you watched when you were a teenager, especially when you're going through high school, um, they tend to stick with you. Um, I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why that is. I, I haven't taken enough psychology classes, I, I don't think, to understand and, and put my finger on why it is that that time, uh, it's just such an influential influential time uh for a young person um where you remember a lot of the things uh, that you watched during that time you you remember a lot of strange things um from that time and then some things you completely forget um but anyway it's uh one of my favorites and and that's boondock saints stay some men loving families they go home every day after work. They turn on the news, you know what they see? They see rapists and murderers and child molesters. They're all getting out of prison. And everywhere, everyone thinks the same thing. Kill them all. Admit it. Even you've thought about it. You guys should be in every major city. Two are not heroes. Two ordinary men who were put in an extraordinary situation and they just happened to come out on the top. Oh, good. Yes, we are. For thee, my lord, for thee, power hath descended forth from thy hand. Your feet may swiftly carry out thy command. 
So we shall flow a river forth to thee, and teeming with souls shall it ever be. And when you're patriate feeling, spirit is sound. You've mentioned sure. it. Yeah, because I think it was was not your. It was on your list last year too, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and, and I mean, I I can't say enough about this movie. And I think yeah, Scott. Yeah, I forget if it was on my list or not. Yeah, I remember um, it being on your list last year. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and yeah, like I. So I mean, I can't say enough about this movie. And it's probably one of the most quoted movies um, in my. I don't know, <laughs> repertoire, I guess you could say. Um, it's just a feel-good movie um, about a couple of Irish uh, brothers that uh, they also become sort of superheroes. But it's very, very different in the way that they become superheroes. They, um, of course, they start to, I guess you could say, hunt down members of organized crime um, and inflict kind of, I guess, their own brand of vigilante justice against them, right, for, for the crimes that they've committed. And, um, and it does have sort of a religious aspect to it. Um, they're Irish, of course, they're very Catholic, um, and it, it's very prominent throughout the movie, um, the, the religion uh, aspect to it. Um, you know, they definitely have a few scenes that are shot in actual churches there's there's the confession scene <laughs> where <laughs> they're uh somewhat dumber uh third wheel i guess you could say friend um decides that he's you know going to or that he has to do something to one of the priests uh and of course the brothers the two irish brothers being sort of they're anti-heroes i guess you could say right they're 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 not always going to make the right choice you know, they're not always going to do the right thing, obviously. You know, they're they're still murdering people um, when they go out and find these people that are part of organized crime and, and they, they murder them. You know, it's it's still <laughs> not not a very good thing. But, of course, they're antiheroes and that, that's what makes them interesting. Um, you know, that they're still fighting, I guess you could say, the, the good fight or for the, the greater good to, to try to end some of the, the evils that, that organized crime uh, participates in, I guess you could say this, I think this movie, I don't know. And you, you might agree with me. I think it very much, um, uh, launched a, a lot of, uh, careers. I think you could say, um, there's a lot of actors in it that I really like. Um, well, Billy Connolly, I guess is, is one of my, my favorite actors. I, I love Billy Connolly and all the things that he's, he's been a part of, but in, in terms of Norman Reedus, I think this was one of the first movies that I ever really noticed him in, I guess you could say, and I'm sure he's done other stuff. I'm not going to pull up his stuff, but yeah, he uh, was in, uh, he was in Blade, uh, Blade right. I believe. I'm just trying that, to yeah, that came out just before this, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just before this. Um, yeah, and that's right. I, I do like Blade. Blade's one of my favorite movies too. Um, that's right. He has a sort of that smaller, I guess it's a smaller role in it. Uh, he plays sort of the, uh, the human, I guess, helper, right. For, for Blade, I guess. Yeah, I, think it was, I think it was in Blade 2. That, that's when he made his first appearance. I don't was know, it Blade 2? I don't know if he was in Blade. I think he was just in Blade 2. Yeah. I, I, well, maybe we should actually figure out which, which one that was. Some of what I remember. Yeah, it was Blade Two. Yeah, he played Scud. Remember about his character? There was some yeah. stuff that was significant because it was the second movie. So, so that yeah, that was just after. Yeah, so yeah, like this, I, I don't know, Boondock Saints, but it it was very much kind of that era within a four year gap. I guess you can say. 
for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you you know, where he he definitely sort of took off. Like this movie, The Boondock Saints, is one of my favorite movies, and I quote it all the time. And I try to quote quote their uh Irish accents. Sometimes I do better at it than others, but it's just a feel-good movie. I really like it. So I don't know. We're all <laughs> And we're all this time later, and I meant to watch it after our, our show last year, and I still haven't watched it. So, you got it. You got to do it one of these days. You got to yeah. bite the bullet. I have not watched the Boondock Saints yet. So, and and you know, anything to this other than general not knowledge about what actors were doing around the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It, it's one of those movies. I think you might want to watch more than once. Okay, uh, like that. It's kind of one of those movies where. Um, you sort of have to watch more than once, and it, and the lines start to stick with you. Um, the the I when he talks about Charlie Bronson and ha- always having some sort of rope with him, he talks about and it, it's just really funny dialogue uh, back and forth between the two brothers. And I think that's the fact that they have such a good on-screen chemistry. Um, whether they did off-screen or not, I'm not too sure, but who knows? I'm sure they I'm sure they would because they made more movies after this. There was another one. Um, but yeah, Norman Reedus, pretty, pretty, uh, funny in this movie. That's why I really like it actually, to be honest. And Billy Connolly, of course, anything that he does, I'll watch. No, I, I know that's one of your favorites there for sure. Yep. So it makes sense yep. that it would show up again. Um, my number seven choice comes from the Harrison Ford day and it gives you a lot of options there for sure. But I went with, uh, 1992's Patriot Games directed by Philip Noyce. won't be like anything you've ever done before, little brother. Target leaving the palace now. Listen! From the producer of The Hunt for Red October. Get down! Based on the best-selling novel comes the summer's most explosive motion picture. Hoodie. So, you just waited on in like John Wayne. I couldn't just stand there and watch him shoot those people. It was rage. Pure rage. A reluctant soldier. They were moving him to Albany Prison on the Isle of Wight when it happened. We are on our. We know he's escaped. We think he's left the country. In a war that isn't his. What Ryan done can't be undone, so you should stop thinking about it. We can't. There's never been a terrorist attack on American soil, Jack. These men are professionals. Personal revenge rarely plays into it. But I killed his brother. A man fighting for everything he holds dear. Where's Sally? Let's, uh, let's sit down for a moment. No, talk to me. For justice. I'm after the man who tried to kill my family. I want back in. looking for here? IRA terrorists or some ultra-violent faction of the IRA? This is who we should be looking for. We find her, we'll find them. For freedom. Where are you taking me? It's you who've taken us, Jack, into battle. ETA, 35 seconds. SES could take on any one of these camps. Are you sure this is the same girl? For family. He's never gonna let us go, is he? I don't care what you have to do. You just get it. Where's Sean Miller? Get me hostage rescue at Quantico now. Airborne support approaching target area. 
Patriot Games. So based on a Tom Clancy novel from uh, the, the Jack Ryan series, uh, again, there have been many Jack Ryans now, but Harrison Ford famously played him in two movies and played him well, I think. I agree. Um, and this is a little bit different, like Hunt for Red October and some of these other ones where he's kind of battling communists. Uh, he prevents an attack on a British royal, royal by this extreme faction of uh, the IRA. Um, and this makes him a, a bit of a hero. But then there's a bit of a target on his back uh, by the villains, um, led by, you know, Sean Bean is in the film and is wonderful. <laughs> Um, and just a terrific cast for the movie. I hadn't watched this for a few years, but I have a lot of fond memories of the year 1992 and all the great movies that came out this year. And of course now, like, I mean, my, I'm Irish and, and the stuff with the troubles and all that. And mm -hmm. during, uh, during those years, I, I've become more and more personal and more and more, uh, interesting to me. And, uh, this really held up after uh, many years of not seeing it in an early 90s uh, summer movie that is just just a solid action film. Wonderful scene kind of uh, in the middle of the film between Richard Harris, who's the, the head of the IRA, and and Harrison Ford. And um, and so he really like Richard Harris, he's not happy with this particular uh, offshoot because they are doing things which are not authorized by the IRA. Um, but you, you kind of see like the opposite beliefs about, about things. And Harris does a good job of, he's kind of in front of the cameras and being very public and, and showing how, you know, he's, he's helping, helping the cause out. It's a good role for him. The some, same summer that the movie Unforgiven came out, which is kind mm -hmm. of a completely different role from him. And Harrison Ford and Ann Archer played, uh, played his wife and, um, I believe Thora Birch uh, was uh, played his daughter as well, and she's again. There's a little bit of a missing persons report on her, but she was she she did a lot of really interesting stuff I mean, later in the decade. American Beauty, and uh, yeah. uh, and then you know about ten years after this, uh, in the movie Ghost World. So um, I, I would you know like all the movies on my list. I highly recommend <laughs> this, but uh, Patriot Games I think is. Again, a, a 90s action movie that has been forgotten about a little bit. And I want to kind of bring back into people's attention as opposed to going with my usual impulse of in Star Wars or an Indiana <laughs> movie or, you know, some of the more, um, you know, top of mind, Harrison Ford, uh, Fugitive and, and things like that. I, I decided to, to uh, revisit Patriot Games and I'm glad I did. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's a great show. Um, yeah, I've seen that one. I own it on quite a few different formats. Um, yeah, it's a great show. I love Harrison Ford. One of one of the. I mean, what else can you say about Harrison Ford? He's one of the the most uh, you know prominent actors of definitely of our generation. You know, and and you know even into uh, other generations for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's a great mo movie. I love uh, I love that show. Um, my favorite of the series is one you mentioned is is the hunt for Red October. That's with yeah. the Jack Ryan series. That's that's yeah. Alan Baldwin played Jack Ryan in that uh, in that film, mm -hmm. and that's the most famous I think of the Jack Ryan pictures. Uh, Clear and Present Danger, which is a couple of years later. That was the other time Harrison Ford right. uh, played Jack Ryan. I think that's a, a fantastic film as well. I, that's I'd a like good to one. Revisit that one at some point. Remember, I watched it on 
video or something when I was sick at some point too. And, and anyway, I, I, I really, really do like these movies, but I, I particularly like Harrison Ford in that role. And I, I think we only got two times where he played him and I thought he probably could have kept going with a few more, but at that time Ford was kind of doing one movie a year type of thing. And, uh, which was great because some other people were, trying to do three or four a year and, and right. some of them were duds. Like he could actually put his all into one project a year. And by that point he was Harrison Ford. He didn't have to do a, a million movies anymore. So. Absolutely. And Please. Richard Harris. I mean, you have Dumbledore. You have to watch a yeah. movie with Dumbledore in it. Yeah. <laughs> different than Dumbledore's. In, in, in the, uh, Ford now is, he's working a lot more. I mean, we're seeing a lot of him. So it's like, He's got his TV projects, and then of course the Indiana Jones movie, which I really enjoyed. Uh, so it's got mixed reviews, but uh, I like watching him in interviews. He's he's one of the funnier actors I've seen in interviews. Oh, uh, he really hams it up. More and more sarcastic as he gets older, <laughs> and I love it. But. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that was my number seven. So I think we're down to your number six now. Number six. We're rocking. We're rolling along here, actually, and we're doing pretty good. I think. Um, yeah, <clears throat> number six. So I, to, I guess I have to explain this a little bit. Um, my top 10 list, I tried to do something a little bit weird with, and that's maybe why I think I had a couple that I've had on other shows show up on this list. I, I had so many movies, like I said, that I watched, I, I think it was around 50, I believe, um, that I had to pick from so many, and there were so many that could have made the list. So I tried to do something with the list. My five to 10 were movies that I just really enjoy and I love to watch. And like I said, they're feel good movies, which has been kind of uh, a theme with me, uh, you know, in my, my, <laughs> my evaluation of the, of the shows um, from five to one. I, I thought I would try to, to do movies that I thought were actually really good movies, like really good films that, that uh, had a lot of um, production value and just that a lot of people would, would agree were very good movies um, that weren't maybe necessarily more personal for me than uh, my five to 10. So this was number six was my last choice that I got to kind of put in one of my movies that I was my personal favorites. I thought, um, and not just a movie that I thought was very good um, and that anybody would say was a very good movie, right? Um, for all different reasons, production and direction and acting and all that kind of stuff included. Um, but anyway, um, number six isn't one of those movies that you would probably say is one of the best movies ever made, um, but it's one that's what's very uh, dear to my heart. That's Hudson Hawk. I just got out of jail yesterday. I didn't want to steal anything. I didn't want to go to Europe. All I wanted was a cappuccino. You still think you're the greatest cat burglar that's ever lived? You are one hell of a thief. Hudson Hawk is an evil, evil man. The Big E. I'm just some guy that's good at swiping stuff. Eddie, we're hanging off a castle in the middle of Italy, and you're asking me how you look? Okay, okay, you don't gotta get tacky about it. You look gorgeous. You look like Zorro. Well, I didn't know. 
Buongiorno. Yeah, buongiorno. Maybe you could help me. I'm being blackmailed into robbing the Vatican by a psychotic American corporation and the CIA. I don't, uh... <laughs> you don't speak English? You have very beautiful eyes for a man. I got a bad feeling. I can't even swim. Hell, four will probably kill you. Oh, I was afraid you weren't going to drop by. You want to know something, Eddie? What? You hit like a girl! Started the week by stealing the sports, sir, and ended by swiping the codex. Yeah, but what are your plans for the weekend? Hosting away the Coliseum? Can't we just go back to the kissing part? Life doesn't get much better than this. From 1991. Yeah. And I, I might have talked about this one on another show, too, um, as well. This was uh, from day six. Um, and this was one last mission. I... I uh, if you understand sort of the story of Hudson Hawk, um, you'll understand, I guess, why it's one last mission. So, uh, of course, Bruce Willis uh, that plays Hudson Hawk in the movie. Bruce Willis is one of my favorite actors. Um, of course, he he always has his characters, you know, and he's one of those actors. I think there's a little bit of Bruce in all of his characters, right? Um, but, you know, you love it and you love to watch it. Um, and And he definitely has done some amazing stuff. Um, this isn't probably one of the movies that you would rank up there as one of his best, um, but it, it very much is, is a great one for me. Um, he just plays a, a cat burglar, I guess one of the best cat burglars in the world um, that gets released from prison. And I, I love the scene. He's getting released from prison and his parole officer is, is, is the one that's trying to talk him into doing another job already. And, yeah. you know, one of his lines is, you know, call me superstitious, but I, you know, I, I don't like doing a crime within 48 hours of getting released from prison or something like that, you know. Um, and yeah, so it, he gets, I guess, forced uh, for many different reasons, the mafia becomes involved and there's these uh, very wealthy billionaires um, that, that are kind of running the show. They're sort of the, the I guess you could say, the, the ones that are funding everything and trying to get Bruce Willis, his character, Hudson Hawk, to, to um, steal these uh, objects or whatever, artifacts, I guess you could say, um, from... Uh, different museums all over the world. I don't want to give it all away, um, but, you know, the beginning, it, it's based around Leonardo da Vinci and uh, some of the things that he did in his castle and, uh, you know, alchemy and turning lead into gold and all this kind of stuff. And so you get these rich people that want to take, of course, take advantage of some of these things, but they need the, uh, they need the artifacts. They need the, uh, the art, their art, art, various pieces of art around the world in museums that Hudson Hawk is sent to steal. And uh, it's just a very fun movie. I, I uh, love so many of the actors uh, in this movie. Of course, I mentioned Hudson Hawk. He's, he's one of my favorite. Uh, and I, I haven't been, I guess, doing a very good job. I should probably uh, mention more of the directors. Um, I have them written down, but uh, uh, this is a Michael uh, Lehman movie, I believe. Yeah. Lehman. 
Um, but Danny Angelo, 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 I believe Angelo, 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 I think. Yeah, yellow. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's yeah, an Italian. Yellow. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's an Italian last name, and I always have a hard time pronouncing it. Um, he is one of my favorite actors for sure. Um, I I love a lot of the stuff that he's done over the years. You have Andy McDowell. Um, you have a real uh, good selection uh, of a lot of cool actors in this movie, and it just makes it fun. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, the the favorite scene. I'll just wrap it up with saying the favorite scene of all is when they steal the first piece of art and they're singing "Swinging on a Star." And it, that, yeah. it just it's so much fun. Um, the the musical numbers in it, and it, it it's just a fun movie. And uh, and I love it, so that's why it was my last feel good movie. Yeah, it. Um, so I, I mean, I give it a pass, and I'm a lot nicer to Hudson Hawk than, than <laughs> most of the world is. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I'd watched it uh, sometime last year, and uh, to to give it another go, and I, you know, I, I like it enough. It it has some problems. Um, oh, for sure, it does. Um, and. Not everybody responded well. Like the, the idea behind this musical number is that they find <laughs> out how long the song is. Of course, yeah. Uh, to when the burglar alarm and the police are alerted. And but Bruce Willis was also heavily involved in getting this project together, and he was trying to get his musical career going at the same time. And right. there's, there, there are a lot of a lot of balls in the air. Um, Andy McDowell's character is kind of a little bit uneven, if I remember correctly, from the last time I watched it. And there's some there's some strange, strange moments uh, throughout. <laughs> but again, it would it like Waterworld. It would fit very well in a crazy '90s type of episode. I mean, you know, uh, I know not everybody who worked on it was thrilled with Bruce Willis's behavior behind the scenes. Um, but I I think there's a lot worse. I mean, honestly, oh, sure. I think you know they they were they were taking a big swing with that movie, and it's it's yeah, it's not the world's greatest thing, but I I don't think it deserves to be forgotten about or disregarded. I ha I have it I have it on my shelf. It has not been checked <laughs> on my shelf, so um, yet. <laughs> uh, it's there, and I mean, I I don't know. I I shed some other movies before I would shed it, so. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I'm, I'm with you in a way, and I'm glad that you put it on here uh, as well. I, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I, I get both sides of the argument on this one. <laughs> I'm doing a good job of explaining. You know, these are very personal ones for mm -hmm. you, um, and, and and it's almost like a guilty pleasure, really. You know, almost. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I, I don't think you could get any farther away with my number six choice. My, my choice for number six. Came from uh, the year 1975 was the theme, and again, I'm really was I, I've gone down a little bit. Of, I recently recorded a show on Italian cinema, and I've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole uh, over the last few months of trying to watch some more Italian cinema, um, and very much uh, a influence on Quentin Tarantino once again is this director named Fernando De Leo, and I watched this 1975 movie called. A kidnap syndicate. Un secuestro. Las víctimas. Dos niños. Uno es hijo de un rico y famoso industrial, James Mason. 
El otro, hijo de un mecánico de pocos recursos, Locum Merenda. El industrial se niega a pagar el rescate. Los secuestradores, para intimidarlo, matan al hijo del mecánico. La policía no hace nada. El mecánico decide hacer justicia por su cuenta. Su vida ya no le interesa. No le teme a nada ni a nadie. Su venganza ha comenzado. Consigue apoderarse del preciado rescate. Este dinero le sirve para sobornar y conseguir información para llegar hasta los más altos jefes de esa maldita organización. Trato Sucio es el nombre de este intrigante film. Es otro producto de Cromos Producciones Video Home. It's basically about a mechanic's son gets kidnapped with um, uh, his friend, who's a rich kid, whose father's played by the actor James Mason. Oh. Um, and James Mason, because he's super rich, and this kid is actually the target of the kidnapping because uh, they want to get lots of money from him and, and also connected to some of his dodgier uh, business deals. I watched this in Italian. Mm -hmm. um, so there was... Uh, a, another actor doing the Italian voice for James Mason. So I was used to James Mason's very uh, uh, specific vo uh, British accent and voice, which if I listened to the English dub, I probably would have gotten that one. This is again, time in a lot of Italian cinema, going back to spaghetti Westerns. And then with these seventies crime films where they had people from a million different countries speaking their own languages And then they created dubs for every every possible distribution, every possible country here. Uh, what I like about uh, DeLeo, I've now watched uh, three or four of these crime movies this year, is uh, it, it, it's relentless. And it doesn't follow the Hollywood rules. And the, the characters are kind of uh, dark and dirty. And it really has this great mix of Italian fashion and 1970s look to it and the movies are rough and they are not afraid to go into some very dark places not to like reveal too much about that but after a while this does switch from being a a rescue the kids type of picture into a revenge film um which has very violent results uh, a tremendous chase scene towards the end Um, and a very, uh, I don't know if it's a, like a satisfying ending. Like it's an ending that impacted me deeply. Um, but where I felt like, man, I, I have, I have seen a movie tonight when I watched that film. I, I cannot praise it highly enough. This is one that, as I was mentioning, some of the ones that were first time watches this year that might be on my discovery show. And I, I'm really interested in seeing more stuff by this filmmaker. Uh, it was a, a bit of a Italian crime film um, auteur. And uh, I could definitely see how Tarantino was influenced by his crime movies in some of the, the Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction types of films that he's done over the years. So uh, I, I'm not sure a ton of people have seen Kidnap Syndicate, but I would strongly recommend that you check it out and <laughs> uh, get a hold of it. Yeah, no, that's one I've never seen for sure. No. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I like to think I, I watch a lot of movies that, uh, 
you know, are kind of the, uh, you know, more oddball sort of movies that you wouldn't normally see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's definitely not one that I've, I've checked out. I, I, it sounds interesting though. Um, and like, I'll, I'll just reference real quick, like, you know, when I started taking film classes, um, a lot of the movies that we were watching were, was definitely something that I would never seek out to watch. Right. Um, but uh, when I did, I definitely found a, a new appreciation for uh, a lot of the, the filmmakers that were around. And uh, that definitely seems like a, a movie that you would, would want to check out maybe for that reason. Right. Yeah. And it looks yeah. good. No, for sure. And, and James Mason is, yeah, so he's played a lot of slippery characters over the years from, uh, Kubrick's Lolita to uh, to the verdict and and everything in between, but I I think he he was he was well cast in this in this role. So but it was right. originally I was a little bit like shaken by the fact oh there's some other Italian man's voice that is, <laughs> that is <laughs> that's so, sort of weird when they do that, doesn't that kind of throw you off a little bit? It, it does I, to me. It's just as weird as when I'm watching the dub stuff in English, and you see the mouth is moving in a different direction, and yep. and the 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 English voice acting is way over the top, and that kind of thing. I, you know, it, it feels it feels about right watching it in Italian. So um, yeah, I'd be happy to watch it either way. But yeah, I really enjoyed. Uh, well, I, I've I've heard of studies that they've done where um, they they offset the the lip movement with the. Uh, sound with the dialogue um and it actually angered people it, it made people angry <laughs> like <laughs> so um but but yeah no it um it, it would it's definitely a different thing with this movie but uh um that's interesting uh, interesting i'll have to check that one out for sure number five okay i started to get into movies that i thought um, were a little bit less personal. I still like them, of course. They're movies that I chose that uh, I really liked. They wouldn't have made the list, I don't think, uh, for a lot of reasons if I, I didn't like them. But I, like I say, I do try to watch movies that I've never seen before and and try to uh, kind of experience new things. But uh, uh, this was one I'd seen before. It's a great movie. Um, it's a really cool action series that's coming out or that's come out in the last few years that's one of the ones that I've been the most excited about. Um, and I've heard that from other people. And I've heard that from people that are very much stronger critics than I am, um, especially when it comes to action movies or just movies in general. So, yeah, and it's it's the John Wick series, actually. So this was from Over the Top Action uh, theme day. And, yeah, like, you, you, you can't deny um, the action in a John Wick movie is over the top. Like it's totally over the top. It's it, it's some of the most brutal, violent uh, action sequences I've I've ever witnessed in any movie. Um, but I love it. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love watching it. Um, and this was John Wick Chapter Two, actually, from yep. uh, 2017. Welcome to Rome. Is this a formal event or a social affair? Social. How many buttons? Two. And what style? Tactical. Mr. Wick, do enjoy your party. 
How good to see you again so soon. You have no idea what's coming. You want a war? Or do you want to just give me a gun? Whoever comes, I'll kill them all. The man, the myth, the legend. John Wick. You're not very good at retiring. I'm working on it. So many good actors in, in this show. Um, of course, you, you know, Keanu Reeves. Um, and Keanu Reeves is one of those characters, you know, or one of those actors, I should say, you, you kind of love him or hate him, uh, you know, a lot of times. Um, and, and I love him. I, I love some of the work he's done. I'm not going to tell you he's the most, uh, you know, a versatile actor. There's a lot of stuff I don't think he he really maybe should have done. But hey, you know what? He took a chance and, and he did a lot of stuff in his career that... Um, I think uh, was very admirable in taking a ch chance and taking a risk. And, and I love actors that take risks. I, I love it. And, and, you know, that's part of acting. Uh, that's for me is, is taking risks. And I think a lot of uh, theater people would say, say the same sort of thing. Um, and like, I, I sort of like to think I teach a little bit of stage combat and, and just some of the action sequences in this movie are, are amazing. And I actually show um, some of uh, the production of some of the action sequences in this movie uh, to some of my students, because it's, it's amazing um, the work that goes into a lot of these action sequences, uh, the training. And that's one thing that comes out about Keanu Reeves uh, is that he's nonstop training. He's one of the most involved actors, especially um, for a movie like this. Like he, he does a lot of the stunt work. He does a lot of the driving, um, but they, all of the people that work around him, one of the things that they say is he's the first one there and he's the first one to leave. He puts a lot of work into what he does and it definitely shows on the screen um, in these movies. I really enjoy them, uh, all the John Wick movies. The, I haven't seen the newest one. Super excited for that. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen the John Wick movies, it's, it's worth checking out, of course. It's about a retired assassin who, um, in one way or another, his, he gets drawn back into that world of, of contract killing. Um, you know, when, uh, somebody, uh, basically, uh, kills his dog, I guess. Uh, and that becomes sort of a joke throughout the, the John Wick series. Um, you know, the, the killing of the dog, but, um, you know, the dog was very personal to, to John Wick and, and, uh, that's what sort of sets off this whole, uh, series of, uh, I guess, retribution <laughs> because of, of, uh, because of the murder of his dog. Um, lots of great actors in this uh, movie. Um, you know, one of the newer ones that I kind of thought was cool is Ruby Rose. She was kind of cool in this movie. I, I really liked her. Um, Lawrence Fishburne, 
Uh, Fishborn, Fishburn, Fishborn. Of course, there's Ian McShane. Can't say enough about, uh, you know, some of those yeah. uh, actors. Uh, one that recently passed away, Lance uh, Reddick, I, I believe is how his last name is pronounced. Uh, I, I hadn't seen a lot of the stuff that he had done in the past until the John Wick movies. Uh, and I really found a, a really appreciation, a really new appreciation uh, for that actor because of these movies. I thought he did very, very well in these. Uh, his characters were, were very unique and, and funny. Um, but very subtle at the same time. I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I, I love the John Wick movies. This was a really good one. I'm excited to watch the the newest one. Um, it's it, yeah. Four, I think you know. Yeah, um, yeah I, I and I've I mean I've heard people ranking four movies, and a lot of people go to the second one as their favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people I think were picking four, but it was kind of the shiny and new movie uh, as well. And I, I found like the first one was kind of its own thing, and four is very distinct. Okay. There were events in three I really enjoyed. I was having trouble. <laughs> I, I'd have to go back to watch it, like remembering getting second and third one uh, and the events in them a little bit mixed up. But I do remember that like spectacular car chase scene that happens at the very beginning of, of, of John Wick 2. And, that right. just kind of set the movie on to it's like oh okay yeah that the, like these these movies are for real I kind of it, it enjoyed the first one uh, for what it was I mean and yeah it fits very well in over the top action and yeah the fourth one does not uh, shy away from over the top action it'll be interesting to oh. talk to you about maybe the fourth one after you've seen it at some point but. Well, it's always, it's the double tap, right? He, he shoots everybody in the head. Absolutely everybody. He, yeah. he always makes sure he shoots them in the head. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that makes it, I think, so over the top. There's no, there's no, you know, maiming or shooting in the arm. Well, there is, there's a little, but it's usually, it's, uh, it's in the noodle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so much work goes into months and months of training, years of training yes. for all those fight scenes. And then the, it's well worth it. I'm not surprised to have a John Wick. It seems like John Wick kind of makes its way onto these action April lists uh, each year, which makes makes perfect sense to me. My number five is also from over the top action. Oh, cool. Happened, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's one I'm not sure that you have seen. And there was an American remake, which um, I mean, I was fine. I, I but isn't is it certainly isn't as good. But uh, this is a movie called Old Boy.
from 2003, directed by Park Chan-wook. Hmm. Um, so it's about this essentially drunk uh, guy named Da Su. Um, he's played brilliantly by an actor named Choi Ming, Ming, Min Isk. Min, Choi Min Isk. Um, and he's a drunk who gets bailed out of prison kind of on a regular basis. And one night when he's calling home, he gets kidnapped and he's, he's left in this room and he's kidnapped for 15 years without being out in society at all. Then he, he gets out, finds a way out. And then he spends the movie being taunted by his jailer, uh, who he doesn't know who this is. And he tries uh, to try to find him to, uh, to essentially get revenge. Uh, he also uh, develops uh, a romance with a, a younger woman, this waitress that he that he meets. Um, and the third act of this movie is nuts. And I would never, ever want to ruin it for somebody by going any further than this. Right. Um, but it is wild. It is dark. It is disturbing. Uh, it is the kind of amazing cinema that we get out of of asia and this is a a south korean movie to me south korea has just been i mean the the center of quality of 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 film for several years now and this was a couple years in the 21st century there are people that say this is their favorite movie or one of their favorite movies or one of the best movies of the century to this point and it was a first time watch i had not been able to get a hold of the original. It was easy to get the Spike Lee remake, but I was not able to get the uh, a hold of the original until recently. So I was glad I was able to watch it in, in April and as good as advertised. And again, another one that's a good candidate for my discoveries list this year as well. But uh, yeah, I, I have it as, as, as number five. I think, you know, the level of violence and, and some of the subject matter could throw some viewers off. Uh, it really, I, I can't emphasize it is how, how dark a film it is. It's not kind of a, a, a fun, you know, put your mind away type of action film. It, it does, it does get you um, yeah. uh, kind of by, by the end, but it's a very impactful film. So um, I would recommend it for those who haven't uh, seen Old Boy before. It's a big cinephile yeah. film. It's a, people are, are fans of it. So. Yeah, I've never seen that. Uh, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, um, there's, I mean, so many movies, uh, so little time, I guess, right? So many movies that you you would love to check out, but that definitely sounds like a cool one for sure. Um, but yeah, like, like you say, for that third act, and like I say, I always trust your your opinion of things. It sounds like I would like to check that one out. That seems like yeah. a cool movie. I'd, I'd never heard of it. Um, I mean, yeah. The, the, the villain is so vicious, but we're also not quite sure how to take our protagonist who we're following around to. I mean, it's yeah, right. It, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's an interesting one. I you know I can see why they tried to remake it, but even with a great filmmaker like Spike Lee, they just can't do it justice. As uh, was the Spike Lee one? Was it, you've seen it? It's not as good, or well, it's. It, no, I actually saw it before. Oh, movie. sorry. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, it's okay. Um, yeah. 
But then when I saw this, I was like, yeah, now I understand why everybody was so mad about this. <laughs> 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 That's funny. That's funny how that happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I would, yeah, I would say watch this one first. I mean, check out the Spike Lee one if you want, but, uh, but yeah, this, uh, Mark Chan Woke is a, just a filmmaker. I've started to check out more, more stuff by, uh, by him and, and it's, it's out there, but it's really good stuff. So, that's oh, awesome. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, we're down to number four for you now. Number four. <laughs> um, number four. Yeah, I I just really like this movie. I think um, it's definitely different from any of the other uh, sort of movies in the series. I guess you could say. And like I said, I've I've always been a a Marvel fan. I've always liked some of the superhero movies. Um, and this is I, this is a superhero movie, but it's not really uh, it's an anti-hero movie, is what I call it. it. It's it's not as much of a superhero movie as the Avengers or anything like that. Um, but I think it's one of the best ones of this uh, character, I guess you could say, that was made, um, and that's the the Punisher. And this was a streaming on Netflix theme day. Um, so if you don't know the story of the Punisher, um, it's 
like I say, I, I like to think of, of it as sort of an anti-hero. I think the Punisher is one of the best examples of an anti-hero in, in sort of modern superhero movies. I guess you could say anything since probably the 90s. Um, so it's Frank Castle is, is the uh, main character. Uh, he's the Punisher, um, played by Thomas Jane. Um, credited as Tom Jane, I guess, in the movie. Um, there's a few other movies, or pardon me, a few other actors you might recognize. Of course, John Travolta is in this, um, which is interesting. He plays sort of an interesting character. I've always liked John Travolta, um, but it's, I don't know if this was one of his maybe strongest performances, but he, he definitely has a, a, a sort of a weird character in this movie um, that makes it sort of a very dark movie. It's a very dark movie, in my opinion. Um, just with the cinematography, it seems very dark. Um, the way that it's shot, but but at the same time, um, with those those moments that are dark throughout the movie, I just there's light that's sh- shone through the movie, um, and it's a very interesting way that the movie was was shot, um, and you'll notice it when Frank Castle, uh, the Punisher, is in his apartment. That's when you really notice it. Uh, if if you ever watch the movie again. Um, all the scenes that are shot in his apartment have this weird combination of light and dark that is just really cool to watch. Um, I think it's a beautiful movie in, in the way that it's shot. Um, but yeah, Frank Castle, in, in all the different adaptations of The Punisher, um, he's a man, he's he's usually played by either an FBI agent in this movie, he's an FBI agent, um, or a policeman. Um, I believe he's played in one of the other movies uh, that have been made uh, for The Punisher. Um but yeah, he's an FBI agent and, and basically organized crime is what he's fighting against. And um, he's getting close, I think, to uh, to putting away one of the, the big organized crime members. And so they, they actually kill his family. It's, it's a very, very sad story, uh, of course. Uh, and then he, in some adaptations of The Punisher, he, he gets... Um, you know, beat to a pulp basically, and then brings himself back from it. Regardless, he, he quits being a law enforcement officer or FBI agent and whatever uh, version that you watch and uh, goes after the people that, uh, that were responsible for his family's death. Um, so it's, it, there's something that kind of, you know, tugs at your, your heart about a movie where, uh, somebody's family dies, you know, uh, those movies have always, you know, especially for me as a father, um, they, they kind of, they always touch a weird part of your heart. Um, when you see a movie where, where a man has his family, uh, taken away from him, um, or, or, you know, or a mother or whoever, um, a, a parent that, or, a uh, a guardian that has their their child taken away from them. There's something that always kind of tugs about at your heart about this uh, sort of story. Um, but it's a beautiful movie. Um, I really enjoy it. Uh, the character is very cool. There's some cool action scenes in it. There's a there's a great car. There's always a good car in a Punisher movie. You, you always have a good car. Whatever else the Punisher has or doesn't have, he usually always has a really cool car. Um, so that's definitely a part of it that I enjoy. There's a fight scene with, with Kevin Nash. Um, so if, if you follow uh, wrestling, professional wrestling, you would know who Kevin Nash is. Um, he plays this giant Russian assassin, I guess, that the mafia sends uh, to, to try to take care of Frank Castle because he's been kind of messing with their operation. 
and just the the fight scene in his apartment building with with Kevin Nash is it's just really super fun to watch. There's one part where Frank Castle stabs him in the chest, right, and right, <laughs> gets him right in the pectoral muscle, and Kevin Nash just looks at it and pulls it out, right, and it's like it never happened. <laughs> it just keeps going. It's like this un undefeatable uh, force of nature in Kevin Nash that's going after Frank Castle and it's just a great fight scene and uh, uh, it's, it's a beautiful movie uh, especially for being a superhero movie in my opinion yeah, I've watched lots of, lots of superhero movies but I'm, I'm not a big superhero movie guy and I haven't watched this so uh, no. and there was, a TV, there was a TV show as well wasn't there on Netflix there was a TV show um, I can't remember the name of the actor's name I, I know what he's from he was in the first few seasons of The Walking Dead I can't remember the name of his uh, his name off the top of my head um, he played Shane in the first few uh, seasons of The Walking Dead, uh, but yeah, he he was the one that played Frank Castle in the TV series. And then there was also one from I believe like 1989, um, a movie, and it was it was a good movie. It you know the Punisher has always been sort of an interesting character as a superhero. Uh, but this, for, for me, I, I've seen all of them, and I, I've watched as much as the TV show, I think, as I could. I think I've seen most of it. Um, I think this one is the best. If you're going to watch anything, I would watch the 2004 version. Yeah, yeah I'll have to check it out. And I, I know I got it mixed up with some other movies that were coming out at the time because I was just kind of just there was so much ignoring the superhero movies. Cause it was, yeah. There was a lot well, that was, that was right at the, the start of kind of the craze, right. Is was yeah. when it sort of started through the mid two thousands there. So yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of white noise sort of around in terms of superhero movies and you didn't really know what was going on. Um, so we're going to go down to my, my number four and my number four came from, uh, a movie with num with a number in the title. That oh, cool! A movie with a number in the title. So uh, I dug out a, a movie I'd always meant to see, and I had recently got a, a Blu-ray of. Uh, this is the original. There's a, there is indeed a remake of this, like there is with Old Boy and some of the others I'm talking about. But this is uh, from 1974, The Taking of Bel of Pelham One Two Three, directed by Joseph Sargent. 1.23 p.m. A crowded subway train starts its run from Pelham Station in the Bronx. 1.45 p.m. Four desperate, heavily armed men seize control of the train. Open the door or I'll blow your head off. Taking 17 people as hostages. Your attention, please. Now then, you'll all remain seated. Anybody who tries to rise is going to get shot. <laughs> I do hope I have made myself understood. 2.13 p.m. The city of New York is given one hour to come up with a million-dollar ransom. You're out of your skull. No all units stand by on a double. What's up, Z? A train's been hijacked. Millions have read it. Now you can live it. The taking of Pelham. One, two, three. There is no way you can get away with this. You are underground in a tunnel. At precisely 3.13, we are going to begin executing the hostages. Let's go! Nothing will happen as long as you obey my orders. New York City is held powerless in the grip of four ruthless men. From the mayor's office. Don't tell me I don't want to know. To police headquarters. I've got about 50 men inside the tunnel, all wearing vests and armed with machine and submachine guns. We could fight the Third World War down there. 
to the nerve center of the world's busiest subway system. My only priority is saving the lives of these passengers. So maybe an hour isn't enough time. An hour is plenty of time. We agree to pay the ransom. Repeat, we agreed to pay you the money. Now turn your clock off. The money has to be counted, stacked, tied, transported uptown. It just isn't physically possible. You'd be surprised what's physically possible. Tell them one, two, three's in motion. Let's go, we driving a train. How long does it take to get all that money together anyway? Just not gonna make it. Never make it. The passengers are dead ducks. What the hell they expect for that lousy 35 cents to live forever? Walter Matthau, Robert Shaw. <laughs> the most spectacular hijack in history. The taking of Pelham. One, two, three. I think this is one of the best 1970s action movies. Uh, it's about a very methodical hostage taking that happens on a subway in the middle of the day in uh, in new york city 1970s new york city uh, in the middle of all kinds of other labor problems and garbage problems and that kind of thing um walter Matthau, who many people still credit as being more of a comedic actor but he's he's the he's the star of this and he's kind of the the hostage negotiator but he also works for uh for transport um, in New York, and he's kind of going back and forth and trying to negotiate with Robert Shaw. And Robert Shaw famously, uh, he was the villain in The Sting, but uh, of course, Jaws was his most famous uh, famous role there. These uh, kidnappers have a very specific timeline and things that they expect to be done in this timing. If it isn't done in that timing, no matter how impossible it is, they're going to shoot somebody that's on the, the subway car. Um, Classic, <laughs> and they uh, they are not messing around. This is this is accurate. So we are kind of following this going on, uh, as well as all these plans are trying to find ways to either like work with them or to rescue these people. And some of these plans go completely sideways. Uh, and then we move like it seems like a theme with a lot of my top ten here. We move into a slightly different direction in the third act of the film, and there are some amazing um, twists and turns and uh, plot twists that happen uh, towards the end. It is just solid from beginning to end. This was one I've, I, I, I think I, you know, gave it beyond the normal full marks I would for a first-time watch on the film. I will be happy to rewatch it anytime. Um, I, I really love seventies movies and, you know, uh, kidnap syndicates, the seventies movies from Italy, but this is, this is among the best of kind of those New York based seventies films of, uh, of that, uh, of that time. And it's worth everybody's time. If you love those sorts of films and if you love action movies, um, that are just about character, about screenplay, about great direction. This is, uh, I cannot endorse, um, the taking of Pelham one two three enough. I have yet to watch the Tony Scott remake. Uh, speaking of John Travolta, John Travolta and Denzel Washington are in the remake, and I know there are people that like it quite a bit. I I don't know. I'd have to see it to compare the two. But um, I love the original, and I it was really important to me to see the original before uh, 
before I, I saw the remake. And so I'm glad that I finally was able to see that this year and include it in Action April there. So That's cool. I, you know, I, I've seen some parts of this movie. I, I've never seen the whole one, when you, when the whole thing through. When you, when you mentioned it, I was like, you know, geez, that seems familiar. And I remember watching some of it, but I, I, won't, uh, I won't claim that I've seen the whole entire thing. The reason I, I looked into it, actually, was Robert Shaw. Uh, I love Robert Shaw. Yeah, uh, he absolutely. Um, I, I love that guy. Uh, just as an actor, I, you know, he he just has a look to him. Um, it just makes me want to watch it, I guess. And and that's my favorite part of Jaws, actually. You know, just to quickly reference that is is Robert Shaw. Um, and I sort of got really into Jaws for a, a little while, and I, I actually I I pulled out a monologue and I was trying to do a monologue from that show. And that's why I got into Robert Shaw and I started looking into some of the other stuff that he's done uh, in his career. And I, I briefly checked it out. It, it looked like a really cool movie. There's something about a, a seventies movie um, that's very unique, you know, you know definitely. And, and especially a seventies action movie, you know, you could talk about all kinds of the Clint Eastwoods and, you know, stuff like that. But uh, it looks like a, I, I definitely need to revisit this one. And, uh, a young Hector Elizondo, who I, I, I don't know how much that means to you, but uh, <laughs> um, he basically appeared in every Gary Marshall movie. He was like the hotel guy in, in, in Pretty Woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was on the TV show Chicago Hope. And he's, he's a guy who's always seemed like an older gentleman with uh, who's, who's bald. Right. Uh, this is a younger version of him. He plays an outright psychopath in this. Uh, and it's, uh, um, <laughs> It's it's something else to see him in that type of a role as opposed to like this kind of kindly mentor type of a character. Right, you uh, play in some gentler films, but uh, he, he's he's very good. Everybody's good. It's uh, it deals with the politics of the time. the The mayor is sick, and he's but he's also trying to run this re-election campaign, and he's so unpopular. And he thinks if he can find a way to save all of the people on the train and come in here and, and do this stuff, working against perhaps working against some other folks that this will help his re-election bid, but he's got this horrible cold throughout. There's characters who have colds. This is a thing that kind of is, is throughout that there's, it's not, there's some uh, drawbacks to what's happening this, this particular day, but to be able to do this kind of a thing, I've lived in New York city uh, and in there and, and do this successfully. And they make it seem like this is a a logical way that uh, for, for this to go so um and Mathow was good i did Mathow was really, right really good Mathow and Mathow is one of my favorite actors for sure yeah. uh the odd couple that, that was that was one of my favorite things uh ever was the odd couple and i always Mathow he he uh like you say, he's more of a comedic actor, right? He's regarded, but I find you know some of the best comedic actors are are absolutely the the most amazing dramatic ones. And he has a little bit of comedic relief at the beginning because his main job for that day before everything happens is he's supposed to tour these uh, Japanese business people that are interested in the New York transit system, <laughs> and and he doesn't think they were speak a word of English. Yeah. Because they're not responding to him initially when he's trying to talk to them. Uh, and then he, as he does the tour, he's kind of outright insulting them and with the <laughs> things that he's saying. And then the, you know, the kickers at the end, uh, they respond to him in English and they hurt. Oh. 
everything that he said. So, right. so there, there are some math of comedic bits in there, but when it comes down to the hostage stuff and the action stuff, he he is very good. And I have I have watched a few seventies action movies that he was in. A lot of people don't realize how how good he was in uh, in, in in those movies too, and he could play it dead serious when he needed to. So absolutely. All right, yeah. you're down to your number three. Number three, yeah, we're almost almost at the end of the line here. Um, this is another movie uh, for sure that that made the list because I think it's I don't know I I think it's one of the better movies um, of its genre I guess you could say. Um, some people might disagree with me on that one, but um, I think it's become a cult classic that uh, just you you can't deny it's 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 a really cool show. It's a really cool film, and that's uh, Blade Runner. I need your deck. This is a bad one, the worst yet. There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants, three male, three female. They slaughtered 20... A Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants. Manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty. Probably the leader. There was just one outfit making replicants that superhuman. The Terrell Corporation. Dr. Eldon Tyrell. I don't get it, Tyrell. Commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. I was looking for six replicants in a city of 106 million people. You ever see this girl, huh? Never seen her, Buzzlove. What I didn't know was they were looking for me. Questions. I just do eyes. Just genetic design. Just eyes. Hello? I'm in a bar here now, down in the fourth sector. Why don't you come on down here and have a drink? That's not my kind of place. Time to die. If I didn't care more than words can say, if I didn't care, would I feel this way? Excuse me, Miss Salome. Can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> you for real. He's a damn one-man slaughterhouse. I'm going home. <laughs> you were cute on the show 
twice now, and I, there's so many different versions of Blade Runner. It's going to be reviewed again. So <laughs> I love it. I love it, and and that's the great thing about it. You know, um, I think a lot of people really love this movie. Um, I don't know. I don't think it was as well received when it came out. No, um, it wasn't. No. And their their first cut had some problems. Right. I, I would say the the one that was in the and I don't, I'm not sure which version you watched. Oh, this. there's so many. I've, I've seen yeah. most of them, but there's so many. I, I start yeah. to get them confused. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I'm less a fan of, I, I like it a lot, but, but the original theatrical cut had a couple things that needed to go. And the director's cut and then later the final cut. Right. Uh, I think have greatly improved Blade Runner. But I yeah I agree. I've I've seen most of them. I I don't think there's any of them that I've seen that I I didn't that I hated. I guess you know I I, I liked them all. I I liked them all. Um, yeah, and if you haven't you know seen Blade Runner, it's definitely one to check out. Uh, you know I don't want to ruin it for you, uh, but you know very very quick plot uh, synopsis. I guess, or outline. Um, of course, it's it's sort of set again in a, you know, a futuristic world. Um, but it's funny in in the very first one, which is the one that I watched. Uh, it's it's 2019, so that was <laughs> a few years ago. Um, but it's definitely you know it, it's interesting to watch. Um, basically, about a company that produces um, produces robots. You could say that that yeah, replicants. You know, is what they call them in the movie, but they're basically robots. They're androids, I guess you could say, is, is a bit of their androids um, that are, are very, very uh, human. And, and Harrison Ford, again, we've, we've Harrison Ford has come up a few times in this uh, in this show, but uh, he, he plays a very cool character. He plays uh, someone that has to go out and and hunt down uh, the replicants that have sort of uh, gone off world, I guess, is the in, in the first one. Um, because these replicants were kind of designated, they were put on a planet that would keep them away from Earth, basically, because they were so, uh, well, they, you know, people didn't want something that's so humanistic, um, you know, so human-like, I should say, um, that, uh, you know, you can't really tell the difference between an android and a, and a real human. So that's Harrison's, Harrison's job is uh, to go out there and find... Uh, these replicants that have sort of escaped, I guess you could say, um, and that's all you really have to say about the the plot. It's it's a great show, you know. If if someone out there is a sci-fi fan and hasn't seen it, I would definitely check it out. It, it's a really, I really like the cinematography in the movie too, as well. Yeah. I really like the way that, uh, and you know, like you say, there's so many different versions of it. Um, it's the Ridley Scott movie, of course, and you know he, he's been responsible for a lot of stuff. Um, but I, I think this is one of my favorite movies that he's done um, just because of the cinematography and the way that it's shot. And it's just such a cool world that's presented to the, to the viewer. And uh, that's why I like it. It's just such a cool world. I like the second one too. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. I loved it too. I thought Ryan Gosling was great in it. Um, you know, say what you will about, about old Gosling there. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I think he gets a hard, time a lot he's because, yeah. oh he's great yeah he great he's great but he's become so much of a a sex symbol i guess um you know that a male sex symbol uh, you know that uh, i think that often gets lost a lot is, is the fact that he is such a good actor 
Um, you know, he's part of the, the brilliance of casting him as Ken in the absolutely, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, there is a bit of an argument for him to get a best actor nomination for playing Ken. So, I mean, he, yeah, yeah he's a very good actor, he's worked with the best directors, and like he, he does to me all the right things there. So, yeah, yeah, there were a couple moments at one point or another where I was for a while, I was a little bit sick of him but i wasn't liking the choices he was making but that's kind of changed for uh the last several years since he did this movie called drive which i'm a huge fan right. of right yeah i've seen that that's yeah. a very good one but but yeah getting back to blade runner i mean i'm, I'm very curious to see what your your number two and number one are because <laughs> blade runner to me is a tough <laughs> it's a tough movie to beat i mean that's one that i uh has grown on me more and more as the years have gone on so it's it's a bonafide sci-fi action classic and absolutely uh, it's uh, thought-provoking as well, based on uh, the writing of Philip K. Dick. Um, do androids dream, dream of, of electric sheep? <laughs> for this, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just that I, I just made me laugh when I I saw that. It's a very interesting title. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Please, please, I encourage people to listen to my two previous reviews of Blade Runner as well. There. Oh, for sure. We we didn't give it. Threat. We're going to be going for hours on Blade Runner. <laughs> no, we we didn't give it the justice that it really deserves. Oh, no, I, but... I think this is just a sample, and and you know, yeah. most people have heard of Blade Runner at this point, so that that should be fine. I don't know if as many people have heard about my uh, number three film. It comes from Cops was the theme for that uh, for this particular day, and certainly uh, the police are very much a part of this. But this is also kind of a lot about the criminal. It's. Uh, a 1967 movie by uh, French New Wave director Jean-Pierre Melville. It's called Le Samurai. about a hired assassin who is very disciplined and he has to follow a very specific routine before he completes a job and in this case uh, his job is to assassinate this nightclub owner um, the assassin's name is Jeff Costello and very very interesting look uh, you know it's not a traditional look but it's it's got a little bit of the French New Wave mixed in with film noir uh, there happens to be, uh, there's a, a few witnesses, but a, a one key witness to this uh, assassination, this uh, piano player. And what kind of happens is a little bit of a reversal of him hunting people down to him being hunted as a result of this. Uh, he does, in a fairly tense sequence, he gets arrested and when they're rounding up people that have a certain look, like like he had the night that he did this, but he brilliantly finds his way out of this. And there's another witness who uh, doesn't recognize him and doesn't uh, think he's the one who was who was in the nightclub uh, that night. 
Um, and then it just leads to one of the most fantastic chase sequences you would ever see all throughout Paris. It is, cool. it is spectacular from the police procedural end of trying to find this guy and the setup they get to try to chase him and how he eludes them through uh, the metro system and, and through many different neighborhoods in, in Paris. It is directed beautifully. It is acted beautifully. And this, again, leads to another remarkable climactic scene, which has so many surprises for me. This was another one that I, I wish I had seen earlier. I had I'd always heard of it, but I didn't know a whole lot about it until I decided to challenge myself and, and watch this. I had watched it off of the Criterion Channel streaming service. And if I, <laughs> if I had... Uh, could find it at a very good rate uh, because a lot of Criterion movies are very expensive. Yes, I would purchase are. a copy of this one as well. The Samurai is is absolutely brilliant. I, I think people have issues with subtitles. A lot of this movie is very visual. Yes, there is some, some you know, I have to read some subtitles at points here, but it is kind of like Battleship Potemkin. There's a lot of action that happens, and I think people will enjoy it visually as well and get a lot out of it. And these have to be willing to take the risk and look at something a little bit older and a little bit different than uh, than kind of the the mainstream action that we're looking at. So, let's summarize my number three choice. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I uh, I've never seen it, but uh, I've been I've been strategically uh, searching these movies as we've been going that I've never seen that you've been bringing up because I want to keep a record of them so I can go check them out. That that's. Uh, it's in, it sounds very interesting, uh, especially Paris. If there's uh, some sort of a thing in Paris, I toured Paris a few years ago. Well, quite a few years ago. Uh, but uh, anything anything that's shot in a city that you've been to always sort of uh, makes it more interesting uh, for you to watch, you know. And I know, like you've you've lived in a few other cities uh, too, as well, New York and. Uh, you always have a connection with a movie that takes place or that has some sort of a scene in, in a, a city that you've you've been to. Uh, so yeah, that seems really cool. I'd like to check that one out. Paris is my favorite city in, in, in Europe. You know, For sure. But I, I guess the warning I would give is if somebody thinks that they're watching like a, you know, a Japanese samurai, this is not a Japanese samurai movie. He, no. This guy follows the rules and reads about being a samurai and that's how the discipline that he applies to his job as a hired assassin. Um, so he is a samurai in a sense with, with, with what he does. But when things kind of go another way, then he has to adapt and adjust um, as somebody who has been trained as a samurai uh, would. So it just takes it into a completely different context there. So that uh, sounds cool. So it's, it's a fantastic movie. Number two. Number two. Hey, so um, Runner, let's hear it. <laughs> I think I think you'll like this. Um, I've just I've watched so many good movies uh, throughout this challenge. So throughout all of April, um, like I said, I I could have put so many different movies onto this list. Um, and like I said, the five to one I, I think are movies that you you can't deny they're they're amazing movies. So number two uh was from the theme war military okay and yeah if you knew a little bit uh about me of course i i'm into history and uh world 
War One and Two, the Second World War, is is kind of the eras that uh, I'm very very interested in. You know that that whole earlier 19th century uh, history is kind of my my favorite to learn. It's the most exciting for me, I guess, because um, it's very much the reason. Especially World War One was very much the reason why my family came to Canada, uh, that we immigrated to Canada. So it's very much the reason why I'm here. So it's, uh, it's interesting to kind of look back on your own roots and, and see the connections in world history and in, and how those apply to movies and film. And I think this movie, you can agree, they've done a very, very good job at depicting um, what, what it might've been like to be in the second world war. And I think I've reviewed this before. I, I, I can't remember if I did. I, I think I did. I think it made the list because I, I always come back to this movie in uh, in any time that I'm watching an action or want to watch an action movie, I should say. Um, and that's Saving Private Ryan. You know, you, you can't deny uh, from 1998, uh, of course, uh, it's one of the best movies, one of the best war movies, I think, that has ever been made. Um, it's Steven Spielberg, of course, and Steven Spielberg's been, I mean, one of the greatest directors of our time, I, I think, for sure. Um, there's so many actors in this movie. Um you know, and if you haven't seen it, I know a lot of the younger generation, I always ask some of the younger generation if they've seen some of these movies. Um, and a lot of times they say no. And I think, well, like it, you know, these are some of the best movies that have ever been made by far. Um, you know, actors like Tom Hanks, you've got Matt Damon, um, you've got Tom Sizemore, Sizemore sorry, um, who recently passed away too as well, which is very, very unfortunate. Uh, he was a great actor. Uh, Vin Diesel is in it. There's so many uh, that you could go down the list. Adam Goldberg has one of the most gruesome scenes that I have ever, ever witnessed in a movie. Um, and, and just in thinking about it, it, it sort of sends chills up the back of my spine. And it, it's, it's undescribable, uh, the acting going on in that scene uh, where Adam Goldberg uh, has a, an encounter with with a Nazi soldier, which um, yeah, I, I don't believe he's actually a German. I, I, I think in the, the movie, it's, he's kind of shown as being a different ethnicity um, or having a different cultural background. But um, the Germans uh, during World War II used a lot of different um, soldiers from a lot of different uh, countries that they captured or whatever. Um, they would get them to fight for them. They, you know, it's basically, well, you can come and fight for us or you can die kind of thing. So a lot of people from a lot of those uh, Eastern European countries fought for the Nazis. 
And and I think that's what happens with this this character in this scene. But I could be wrong. I could be reading too far into that. Um, but that's that that's something that I like to uh, kind of think when I watch this movie. Um, but it's such a great show. Uh, you have so many amazing actors in this movie, and it's it's of course about D days where where it takes place, uh, or sorry, starts I should say the beginning of the movie, and it's one of the best depictions of D day uh, I think that's ever been done. Um, it, it really shows the brutality of it. It really shows, um, you know, the courage and everything that it took to, uh, to, to do the things that, that were done during the second world war. Um, you know, and, and it really, there's just something about it. Um, you know, just the, the whole storyline behind, uh, there being four brothers in, in Europe and, uh, you know, three of them die, and so they they go looking for the the fourth brother to bring him home. And there there's there's quite a few actual historical accounts of, of things like that happening uh, during the Second World War. So it's I'm sure based on a lot of true stories that have come out uh, of the Second World War and a lot of primary sources. Um, it's just a great show. And and Tom Hanks, you know, what can you say? He's he's one of my favorite actors, and he does an amazing job in this movie. I think it's it's beautiful to watch. I think it's pretty historically correct. There's there's a few problems with it. Like I know some of the equipment that they use, um, some of the motorcycles and stuff like that, were from a different era. Um, but I, it's very very small things, like very very small things, things that you probably wouldn't notice unless you were, uh, you know, a very uh, prominent historian on the Second World War, but uh, it's one of my favorite movies. I love it. A few glitches along the way too. There, there's a uh, one of those famous Spielberg silhouette shots of the soldiers marching across. Right. You count the number of soldiers. They they obviously shot it before one of them was a uh, character was dead already. So right. They had, you know, but every movies have continuity mistakes all the time. I mean, all the time. How it goes, even when it's a master filmmaker and is one of his most famous of his serious war films. The look of this influenced future action movies and war films, certainly the band of brothers, which Spielberg and Hanks were involved with use the same kind of washed out look. Janusz Kaminski's cinematography. Um, it's beautiful. It wasn't, it wasn't black and white, but it was kind of a faded out color, uh, was again different than what he did with the photography for Schindler's List. Right. Um, it's it's remarkable in a way. I, it's been years since I watched it, so I, I need to watch it again to kind of get my my thoughts about it now. That a movie can overcome that horrifying, amazing, spectacular twenty minute sequence at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You, you feel like where can this movie go for the next uh, two and a half hours after we have seen this? Right, um, and I think for the most part it still works, and there are things that I are, I'm, I'm still amazed by kind of later on. And you mentioned like some of the the brutal deaths and everything, but when I think of Saving Private Ryan, I think of that first twenty minutes mm-hmm. uh, where we are we are put into the Battle of D Day, uh, and there's nowhere to escape as a viewer. And seeing that in theaters back in 1998 it was it was an, an an amazing thing is it my favorite spielberg film is it my favorite war film it was it my favorite movie of 1998 no to yeah. all of those uh is it my favorite tom hanks performance it's not uh but hanks centers the film really well and like the actors who were in that ted danson shows up at one point <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the the but it was a whole generation of up and coming 
actors uh, that later on became, you know, very prominent. And some of them are like, uh, oh, I've seen that guy in this, that, and the other thing. Or look how young someone mm -hmm. looks now. And uh, Brian Cranston. You know, yeah. Not a lot of people yeah. had heard of him before. No, well, not at that point. You know, I think it was even before Malcolm in the middle of that point. So he Spielberg's always known how to cast really well and his, his, his team. And so, and technically it is an, a remarkable achievement. It is one of, one of the great war films of all time. And it may, this may not be the last time that we hear about a uh, war military film. Um, <laughs> in this show i i kind of suspected that i kind of suspected i had my suspicions i really did um yeah no it's saving private ryan just to, to to finish it off it's like you say it's not my favorite war movie either to be honest with you and it's not my favorite tom hanks performance either but i can't deny like that's why the five to one list was movies that i thought were just the best movies I, and i can't deny it's one of the best movies made okay so for my runner up my number two choice and my number two choice came from the one last mission day which was already mentioned uh, for you as well mm -hmm. um, in this case I, I i went with a bit of an underrated michael mann film and it was one of his first if not his first films 1981's thief are you clear? You've been putting down two, three scores a month. You want to put down contract scores all over the country? Working directly for me? I am self-employed. Geisty Lice. Just diamonds or cash. Fine. I'll make you a millionaire in four months. I wear $150 slacks. I wear silk shirts. I wear $800 suits. I wear a gold watch. I wear a perfect D flawless three carat ring. I'm a thief. Do you think that I have been waiting for you to come along? You gonna marry her and have some kids? Yes. Hey, I'm talking to you. Hey. Why what? What is going on in your life that is so terrific? I'm just, I'm just asking you to be with me. I want my money. We need new partners. We're in for 10 points. I am the last guy you want to mess with. You get paid what I say. You do what I say. You don't know from one day to the next whether you're going to be killed, go home, or get busted. What's wrong with you? James Caan, Thief. Starring uh, the late, great James Caan in, I think, one of his best film performances. I had watched this once before, and then watching it again for this, I was like, I went into really liking this movie. Do I think I love this movie? I watch it one more time. It's probably going to be up there. It's one of my favorites, I think. James Caan is a master thief. And he, he works actually with uh, with James Belushi as his partner. And uh, they do these kind of small-time scores. And they're very good at, at what they do. But then through a set of circumstances, he gets noticed by Robert Protsky, uh, who is um, a bit of a higher-up crime boss. And he wants to hire uh, Khan to do this big job. And he's going to throw a lot of money at him. 
the same time as James Conn's developed this romance with Tuesday, Tuesday Weld. It's kind of interesting how, you know, their dreams kind of come together and, 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 and what they're wanting. And they're kind of wanting the American dream suburban house with the kids. And, but it just means he has to do this one last mission to get out of it. And then he's going to be fine. But there are problems with this. And like, sure, he gets the money, he gets the house, he gets all this stuff. But he, when he wants to go, he is not going to be uh, able to to go, uh, and they're still holding things over his head. And it then switches again into, and I'm a again sucker for this, but a, a little bit of a, a retribution and revenge type of a film. And Khan is is perfect in every single moment, but it is it is so well directed, well written, well laid out. Every scene has this great. There's the text, but then there's the subtext behind. What is going on? Uh, you can see how this is the guy who would later make the movie Heat, which I think is, you know, is my favorite Michael Mann film. And I think like being kind of a new filmmaker and he's working with at that time a legendary movie star in James Caan. And they worked so well together and they got the quality product out of it and really directed Caan into uh, right up there with his uh, performance in The Godfather and uh, Rollerball and some of these other uh, great films that he was in so i think if you haven't seen thief this is one that you're absolutely gonna love uh, i i can't imagine anybody who loves action movies not going for this and this and old boy i kind of watched those ones fairly early in the month and i thought whoa it's gonna be tough to come up with the top 10 now because <laughs> i'm already starting off way better than i ever did with any of the comedy the funny february's year where I started off kind of in a bad mood and I eventually mellowed out but here I started off so strong and then I kept seeing great movie after great movie so so Thief is number two for me and I again it was tough to kind of those the six to two I think were really difficult and they were kind of interchangeable almost because I I love all of them so much uh from from those ones onward but I just Thief has not has not left my mind too and you know I, I had watched it once before. It wasn't a brand new watch for me, but how much it leapt into, oh, I, I just loved every moment of it, and I can't wait to watch it again. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've never seen it. I've, I've heard of it. I've, I've never see, seen it. See it for sure. no, no, I'll have to. Uh, yeah, no, I love James Caan. He, he's, uh, you know, uh, he was definitely one of my favorite actors for sure. I mean, I have, you know, dozens of favorite actors, but... But uh, James Caan is definitely one of the best. How, how can you beat, you know, some of the performances that he's had over the years, uh, you know, in Godfather and that kind of stuff? Uh, well, actually, my favorite performance of his isn't isn't even the Godfather or anything like that. It's kind of stupid, but it it's silly in a way. But it's it's a football movie called The Program. <laughs> yes, that's a very good movie. That's yeah. an underrated 1993 movie. I'd, I'd love to get my hands on it and review that someday because, yes. The program is fantastic. You're right. We yeah. might have to we might have to fit that into a future show because that's that's a really good one. Yeah, a really really yeah. good one. Uh, it, and it's I mean there've been a lot of coach in football movies. That one has a real edge to it, and real consequences are very powerful. So I I I, you know, I haven't watched that probably since the '90s, but yeah, uh, that that one stayed with me. I, I I get that's a that's a good choice of a favorite of his performances. Of course I. I love him more and more every time I watch him in Misery. Kathy yeah. Bates got kind of all the attention for that, but uh, her performance wouldn't have been as good if uh, if James Caan wasn't as good as he was. And fine to a bed for most of that film, and that's how, how good an actor he was, as well as being 
this movie star in the 70s kind of sex symbol he was. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure he was. All right. I think we are down to your number one choice here. So number one, finally, number one. You know, like I say, there's been so many good movies that you could put onto these lists, but, you know, from the ones that I watched during the month, but this one, and I, I might've uh, reviewed this one before, but I, I would have given it more of a review, I think, as, uh, as I'm going to with this uh, format of the top 10, but this is sort of a personal movie for me too, but I also think that it's one of the greatest movies ever made. I, and, you know, some people don't like the style of this director, um, you know, but I think most people do, but I've heard a lot of people that don't, but there's something about his style of movie, uh, that that's just, I don't know. It's, it's fun to watch. It's entertaining. And so my number one is Pulp Fiction. Miramax Films is proud to present one of the most celebrated motion pictures of the year. The winner of the 1994 Palm Door, the best picture of the Cannes Film Festival. Come on, let's get in character. I'm so interested in big man's wife. Well, he's going out of town in Florida, and he asked me if I take care of him while he's gone. Take care of him? No, man. Just show her a good time, make sure she don't get lonely. Girl. You see, this is a moral test of oneself. I do believe Marcellus, my husband, your boss, told you to take me out and do whatever I wanted. I love you so much, can't count on Whether or not you can maintain loyalty. Night of the fight, you may feel a slight sting. Pride only hurts, it never helps. In the fifth, your ass goes down. I have to say, play with matches, you get burned. We should have shot guys with this kind of deal. We're in a lot of danger, aren't we? I'm prepared to scout the earth for that night. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Get down, get down. You got a corpse in a car, minus a head in the garage. Take me to it. Don't you hate that? Hate what? Uncomfortable silences. John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Amanda Plummer, Maria de Medeiros, Bing Rings, Eric Stoltz, Rosanna Arquette, Christopher Walker, and Bruce Willis. Looking at something, friend? Ain't my friend, Luca. Die, your mother! A new film. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. Pulp Fiction. You really thinking about quitting? Most definitely. Of course you're going to do that. Basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wondered you wondered better than blade runner yeah i was gonna say you were wondering how is he gonna beat uh blade runner how's he gonna beat it but uh yeah pulp fiction 1994 um absolutely and i think this was quentin tarantino day it was day 23 you know every time that i watch this movie it just i i love it every single time um i had the uma therma uh 
Uma Thurman poster uh, of her character, the Pulp Fiction kind of 10 cent poster thing on my wall growing up. I, I think from probably from the time that the movie came out, <laughs> I think I, I went out and bought a version of that poster. And then actually the poster got bigger and bigger over the years. <laughs> Eventually when I got into university, the poster was half of my wall because I would go to a, one of those poster shows and buy the biggest poster of it that I could. Yeah. But what can you say about this movie? I, I, I don't think you even need to do a plot summary of it. Um, it's, it's such a great film. So many good actors, John Travolta, like we've talked about before. Uh, in the show, you got, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis, you know, showed up again. Tim Roth has a really, really cool scene. The, you know, the diner scene. Uh, it's, plumber, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, it's an amazing scene. I've uh, I've performed that one, actually, with with uh, another actor. And it was it went really cool, actually. It was it just in my uh, theater training in theater school. We performed that one of those. Uh, well, that scene specifically. It was really cool. But Christopher Walken probably has one of my favorite scenes uh, when he brings the war watch into a young Bruce Willis, uh, you know, or Bruce Willis's younger character in, uh, in the movie, counterparts in the movie, I should say. My favorite uh, is this, there's this moment when he forgets his line. Yeah. There's a super dramatic pause. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it was all being done in, in one take there. And uh, it's... Yeah, it's spectacular how he he fills up the screen with energy even when he's he's doing that. Yeah, oh, I love him. I, I I do, but I mean, there's so many. You, you know, you got Harvey Keitel. Uh, that was a different role for him, and it was it's a good one. Yeah. No, for sure. And he shows up, of course. You know, if anybody who knows anything about Quentin Tarantino and and his movies, you know, he shows up quite frequently in in a lot of his. Oh, shows. He, he he he's responsible for not solely, but largely responsible for the careers of Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. and Quentin Tarantino. I could probably go to my deathbed. Living <laughs> that. I mean, like, you know, he's never, he, he's not always gotten the credit he deserves as, as an actor. He's at this point, he has only had one Oscar nomination for Bugsy and he's, he's, and he's really good. He's really, and he's very funny in Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah. I think character from, from the one he played in Reservoir Dogs. So, yeah, like there's so many good actors in in Pulp Fiction. You just you, you can go on. Steve Buscemi is in it again. Yeah. Um, you know, as uh, like really quickly. Oh, waiter, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so many. It's it's one of my favorite films uh, ever, and and I I would be very uh, interested to see somebody come up with definitely a, a much better movie. Maybe you could definitely say some movies are as good as Pulp Fiction, but I don't think there's too many movies that blow it out of the water. It's it's a very good film. I, I think it's the best screenplay ever written. Um, yeah. And I, I reviewed it. I did a, a show with Sky Brandon where we reviewed the five Best Picture nominees from 1994. And, you know... Um, I that would have to be on it. <laughs> yeah, Sky's top choice was a little bit different. Mine was Pulp Fiction. His was, was a different one. But, mm-hmm. you know, we both uh, admire the heck out of it. And so, uh, yeah, I uh, that's one I've watched a lot and I will watch a lot more. And so it's, that's, a, that's a solid number one choice. In fact, I will go as so far as to say it's better than my number one choice. <laughs> oh, wow. <But> that's... <laughs> my number one choice is still pretty good from the, uh, it was from the military day. I want to get that right. Army military day. And you can't argue with another master director, Stanley Kubrick. 
1987's Full Metal Jacket. Paris Island, South Carolina, the United States Marine Corps Recruit Depot, an eight-week college for the phony tough and the crazy brave. That is not your daddy's shotgun, cowboy. Private Joker is silly and he's ignorant, but he's got guts, and guts is enough. Most of you will go to Vietnam. Some of you will not come back. Cowboy. Sir, yes, sir. All 300 infantry. Joker. Sir, yes, sir. 4212, basic military journalism. You think you're Mickey Spillane? Sir, I wrote for my high school newspaper, sir. I hate the name Joker. I want to go out to the field. You wasted your first day in the field, and it'd be my fault. Joker, you will take off that button. How's it going to look if you get killed wearing a peace symbol? What is that you've got written on your helmet? Born to kill, sir. You write born to kill on your helmet and you wear a peace button. Would you love your country? Yes, sir. Why don't you jump on the team and come on in for the big win? I'm squad leader. Falling anywhere, scumbag. I need help. I'm trying to help you, Leonard. Are those live rounds? Seven, six, two millimeter. Full metal jacket. Simply one of the greatest uh, Vietnam War films of all time. The first act, I think, much in, it's in a similar way to Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan was about a 20 minute horrifying sequence. The first uh, 40, 45 minutes of, of Full Metal Jacket, you will never get out of your head. Nope. Um, it's the training sequence. Uh, and we have Matthew Modine. He's getting the main character. He's watching this kind of battle almost for his soul between Arlie Ermey as this foul mouth, kind of hilarious, um, but cruel Marine sergeant and this awkward private. Um, and played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who uh, Arlie Ermey got the Oscar nomination. I think they both could have. Because mm -hmm. I think Vincent D'Onofrio's best performance, personally. I uh, agree. A guy who's, you know, he, he's struggling with all of the basic things and the rules. And it's causing problems for everybody. And he is isolated and unpopular. But he starts to become very, very good at being a soldier. And we watch how this, this kind of clumsy guy turns into an outright psychopath. Yeah. Um, and then the payoff to that opening is, is shocking. It's heartbreaking. It is, it, it is absolutely remarkable. It's what makes this movie in the, the great filmography of Stanley Kubrick, uh, just as memorable as the shinings and clockwork oranges and 2001, a space Odysseys. But I also like the last half of the movie and, you know, Modine, well, being a very talented Marine, he, he also, he kind of moves into to being a journalist, 
But then he ends up going along on this uh, mission to show like what's really happening in some of the battlefields. And we end up in a, like a gunfight with a sniper, which is remarkable. I mean, I think this is before the video games and the first person shooters, but it is, oh, it for is sure. it's wild. And you feel the kills in this movie. Like I, I cannot describe the, the sound design you feel the kills as much as in any film. Like Saving Private Ryan, you're surrounded by the, the blood and the gore, and you're feeling what it's like to be in the battle. But here, every single soldier that gets killed, and then the direction, the cinematography is about perfect. And the all the set direction, art direction, the music, all of it. This is just, again, a, a movie that when it's done, I'm just kind of like, like I am with the most Stanley Kubrick movies at the end. I'm just sitting there like, okay, that's it for the night. Yeah. <laughs> I have definitely gone to the movies tonight and I have been in the hands of a, a master. And like very much you are with Quentin Tarantino and Pulp Fiction, uh, what was amazing about how young he was at the time when he made Pulp Fiction, for sure. And this is Kubrick's, second last film was mm -hmm. Old Metal Jacket. So uh, sadly, I mean, he was at that point a very experienced filmmaker. And but I think, I think, I, I think both of our number ones are awesome movies. So, uh, you know, well done. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well done with you as well. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Was Old Metal Jacket. Um, you know, I, I do love this movie. I really do. I think, you know, you, I, I, I do have a small thing about the movie, but, um, I love the movie. Um, I absolutely love it. And, and you, I've already said, I'm, I'm a big, uh, war movie guy, military movie guy. Um, this is one of the best. You, you can't deny it. It is absolutely one of the best. I like that Lee Emery, it's Emery. Emery. How do you, how do you say it? Arlie Ermy. Ermy, that's his last name. Yes, that's right. He was actually a drill sergeant. He was, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a total uh, drill sergeant. Uh, you know, so there's a sense of authenticity within the movie that is just almost impossible to capture um, if you didn't have that. Um, and I think he ad libbed uh, a few oh, of yeah. his, a few of his lines uh, there. Yeah, and <laughs> I love the, the the songs they sing and the marches and all that. I think he he with Kubrick had had a lot to do with it. And he actually, I haven't listened been able to listen to everything every time I've watched it. But like you, the more you hear it, it's like holy cow! Like, but much like a Tarantino type of a thing, the thing is it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. There are parts of this while it's horrifying, it's yeah. absolutely hilarious until the violence happens and then you're like oh my gosh i'm so shocked should i have been laughing at the stuff that was going on here tarantino does the same thing throughout his films i mean exactly the sequences in pulp fiction which are exactly the same what's your uh small problem with full metal jacket it's and it's and it's it's a very small thing but it's just i don't know i there's something about the ending like it's it's a beautiful ending don't get me wrong it, it's 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 horrifying but it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, there's so many things going on at that moment uh, with the sniper battle. And yeah. I don't want to ruin the movie, but um, when that actor is, is um, on the ground and, and there's, they walk up to her and it's, there's just so much going on. There's so many emotions happening there. I don't know. I I've thought about this many times and I, I just, I, at, at first I felt sort of, like it was almost anticlimactic. Like I, I wanted more from it, and and I know you've sort of explained it to me a little bit, and and I'm I and I think you you know 
definitely have a point there. And and yeah, he leaves me wanting to see what else happens after that scene. But then, like you say, you you sit back in your chair and you're like, wow, <laughs> you, you know. And, and it, I don't know. And I I wanted more. I wanted more out of the ending. But the ending was absolutely beautiful. And you know what? In it was probably perfect. But if I was the director, I would have a hard time leaving it there. But mm-hmm. it was probably perfect. For, for the movie, I'm sure it was absolutely perfect. But I wanted so much more out of it. His, his endings can be polarizing to his movies. I, and I, I just see, like, feel that way about A Clockwork Orange. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of people felt that way about Eyes Wide Shut, a movie that I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, as well with the, the last line in that film. So I get it. I, I, I completely get it. <laughs> And I know I, the criticism I've heard from some people is the first 45 minutes are so amazing that the stuff after that isn't as strong. But I, I would make a case for that kind of like I think you'd make a case for the, the latter two and a half hours of Saving Private Ryan yeah. after um, after the battle there. So Absolutely. Um, after recording, Scott got back to me with his top 10 from Action April. So his number 10 would be Godzilla versus Mothra. Number 9 would be Race with the Devil. Number Eight would be Rambo First Blood Part 2. Number seven, Return of the Jedi. Number six, Enter the Ninja. Number five, Death Proof. Number four, The Rock. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. His number two choice was on Sheldon's list, John Wick 2. And both, Scott and I would have the same number one movie, Full Metal Jacket. Anyway, this has been great. Thank you for doing this. We kind of uh, put the show together very quickly. I saw you in the hallway and then said you didn't want to do this, and we made it happen. So I appreciate that. I, I know you're going to we're going to hear from Sheldon again here. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I will be doing my usual plugging some podcasts here. Rank and review. I'll be reviewing probably a three part episode with uh, Lee Beckman, Larry, and myself talking about the top 30 horror movies of the 20 teens. That's been a big project uh, I've been kind of working on. Then, of course, uh, we have uh, Film Feast and Schlock and Awe, Lindsay recently being on the show talking about Italian cinema, and then Kurt Fitzpatrick's show, uh, A Lifetime of Hallmark. Uh, All friends of the show, Kurt uh, will be joining me uh, sometime in the next little while. Life's kind of complicated for her. A lot of people in the fall right now, but it's <laughs> on me for a, a big show coming up soon too. So, and then probably we'll be rolling into our Oscar season shows where I, I drag him on this journey where he has to watch all the nominees. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to, to produce more shows, maybe some solo shows and maybe some different ones over the next little while here. But Sheldon, you are welcome on the show anytime. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to watch the movies and then to, to chat with me. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I, I always love coming on the show and, and talking to someone with so much wealth and knowledge of movies. And, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I love it. Well, you have your, you have lots of uh, wealth of knowledge and <laughs> acting and, and again, coming from that like personal place with a lot of the films and champion some movies that other people would not champion as much. I really, uh, I really appreciate that. And again, just in the world that we're in right now with writer strikes and actor strikes and all of the stuff going on, I, I want folks to just continue to support their local movie theaters or watch movies in whatever way it's possible for you to watch them and to support the arts. I, I think it's, it's really, really important. Thank you for listening.